Hello and welcome to WGTC Radio, the official podcast of entertainment website We Got This Covered. I'm Jonathan Lack. And I am Sean Chapman. And we are here to talk about stuff in the truest sense of the term because it's a very random stuff kind of episode. Yeah, yeah, just stuff. Stuff everywhere. So we All played, kinds of stuff. So we played more Persona music. It's, it's, it's what we do. When we don't know what else to do, we just play Persona music. Or if we have a Persona podcast, we also obviously then play Persona music. So mostly we play Persona music. Yeah. I mean, yes, in my, in my everyday life, that proves true. So, it's pretty good. Pretty good. I have been having to do a lot of driving recently, and good God, I have gone through the Persona 3 reincarnation album about ten dozen times. It is so great. Yeah, I've been doing a lot of walking recently, but I, I tend, I don't like walking with headphones in, so unfortunately yeah. I can't do that. But you still have, you still have opportunities to listen to the music? <laughs> yes, I, I do make use of those opportunities constantly. Okay, well, very good to know. All right. Listeners, we this week are going to be talking about mainly Gamescom, because that happened last week. We learned the PS4 release date and a bunch of other details, and there are some other tidbits along the way. Yes, yes but, there were. But mostly this was a, you know, this was Sony's week in terms of dominating news cycles for games. Yeah, yeah without a doubt. Like so, they, because now, like, Gamescom is over, so awards are coming out. Sony, like, won everything. Like, yeah. obviously, they had, like, best console reveal and all that bullshit, so... Yep. So this will be another episode, video game-wise, we'll be talking about Sony. Hopefully, there'll be some Microsoft news to cover soon. Yeah, they'll, they'll probably just, like, be like, hey, we're making the Xbox One cartridge base now. Like, that's how far back we're reversing everything about our console. Yes. It's like, fucking cartridges. But you still have to install them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. All right. That makes sense. I'm still waiting for them to put the VHS player in the Xbox One. It's big enough, you can yeah, fit one right it's in there. Right, it's a, it's, they call it the Xbox One. It's supposed to be your all-in-one media hub. So I can't... So what? I can't play my old, like, shitty, like, Godzilla tape that just says the two Godzilla movies on it that we recorded off of fucking TV? Like, that's not all-in-one, right? Well, and you know, I was talking to my brother about this the other day. If you ever go into, a, like, a high school or university classroom, you see the DVD... VHS combo player, right? Yes, yes. Where is the Blu-ray VHS combo player? You know universities would buy that. The Xbox yeah. One would corner the market on universities. Yes. Not anyone else, but they would corner the market on yes. universities. So they would they would sell some consoles then. Yes. My film classroom would totally have an Xbox One, because the teacher who doesn't know how to use technology could use the VHS player, and the teacher who does could use the Blu-ray player. It's perfect. perfect. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Okay, so this is a pretty long introduction. We're going to talk Gamescom, we're going to talk the recent Batman news, and moreover, the dumbass reaction to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, Batman. I've been getting flamed out on the internet for my reaction to that on the article on We Got This Covered, but we'll cover that soon. Um, and we're going to talk some other stuff. Sean's going to talk a little bit about Assassin's Creed 3. Yes, which I finished since the last podcast. Why don't you just go off and do okay, that? Okay, yeah, because yeah, I, I, I really want to talk about Assassin's Creed 3, because... And you will have a chance to play it soon if you have a PlayStation 3, and, and if you didn't want to pay for it, it'll be on PlayStation Plus next month. Yes, yes, in September, so yeah, there you go. And, and I, I highly recommend it. I think Assassin's Creed 3 has gotten a really bad rap, honestly, by a lot of people who played it, you know, on the internet. It's one of those where I think I have, like, it, it was good that I did not play the game right when it came out. You know, it's been almost a year. I think it came out last October, and so... You know, like, I, I'm away from all of the, the hype and everything around the game, because for those who don't know a lot about the Assassin's Creed franchise, it's a really... This is why I really like Assassin's Creed by hate. Like, I love and hate Assassin's Creed, the franchise, so much, because it is so fucking weird. It is such a bizarre goddamn franchise, because it started out 
with Assassin's Creed 1, which I think came out in like 2006 or 2007, pretty early this generation, on the, the PS3 and the Xbox 360 and the PC. And it was sort of like Ubisoft like taking like this step into the next generation with like this big franchise, and Assassin's Creed 1 was a shitty fucking game. It was a shitty fucking game that should have been awesome because the fundamentals of like the controls and the idea around like how you actually played the game were really fucking cool with all the parkour and the combat system. It's not like God of War, but it's it's more like Arkham City, and it's just like it's not hard and challenging, but it's just kind of fun and engaging. And so Assassin's Creed One should have been great. They had a great system like built up for it, and then it just like completely fell apart because they gave you basically four missions that you repeated over and over and over and over and over for the entire like fifteen hour long game, and it was fucking unbearable and I beat that game twice I still don't know why I played Assassin's Creed twice to completion really? yeah I, like when I gave I gave this whole spiel in much more detail on a previous podcast where I I've, because I played Assassin's Creed 1 when it came out fucking hated it but then I think two years later Assassin's Creed 2 came out I played Assassin's Creed 2. Assassin's Creed 2 is fucking awesome because it has all the good shit from Assassin's Creed 1 but they actually made a game out of it so it was like this is really cool and then I was really excited after playing Assassin's Creed 2, so I was like, well, I still have Assassin's Creed 1. Maybe if I play it now, like away from having it been launched and all that stuff, maybe I can see something good in it. No. Still fucking sucks. I hate that fucking game. Assassin's Creed 2 is awesome. But then Ubisoft did something really weird, because even though Assassin's Creed 1 sucks, it sold like crazy. So Assassin's Creed 1 is a very, very financially successful franchise. So then the next year, they decided, hey, Infinity Activision is getting ungodly amounts of money with their Call of Duty franchise, which they, which they annualized after Call of Duty, like, I guess, 2, right? Because yeah. Call of Duty 3 came out the next year with their sort of, like, two-studio system. And so Ubisoft looked at Activision and was like, well, we can fucking do that with our awesome game, Assassin's Creed. There's one major difference is that Assassin's Creed is a story-heavy franchise. Not to say that the story is good. It is definitely not good. But it is it is very story heavy because it's sort of set in the past and you have like all these historical settings and you have characters. You know, Call of Duty of games obviously have stories, but it's super light and thin. You don't need to pay attention to it at all. So they decided to annualize Assassin's Creed three or Assassin's Creed, even though it's a story based franchise, which means you should not annualize it in any way. But they so then the next year Assassin's Creed Brotherhood came out and I played that and I was like, this is still a good game. I just played this game last year, and the story's not as good because there's not Ezio as a character, the, the star of the Assassin's Creed 2 games. His story got told in Assassin's Creed 2, like the important bits got told. And they started like layering on new mechanics in Brotherhood. Then Assassin's Creed Revelations came out the next year. I waited a bit after it came out, and I was like, well, I can get it cheap now. So I picked that up for cheap. And then we all know the story about Assassin's Creed Revelations with me. Where, one, it's not as good, like, the, the setting of Constantinople is really restrictive and small compared to the other games. The story's not as interesting. The, the meta story is just doesn't progress at all. And then when I got to the very end of the game, uh, the game loaded up in the first cutscene, overwrote my save file, the only save file you're allowed to keep for the game. And that save is now perpetually at 15 hours played, 1% completed. So, fuck Assassin's Creed Revelations for all kinds of reasons. But then the next year, Assassin's Creed 3 came out. And Assassin's Creed 3 was like, 
Now it's it's number three, and they made a huge deal out of this when it was coming out because it's like we're Ezio's done. We we're dropping the Ezio character because we fucking milked the shit out of the Renaissance setting, and now we're bringing it into the American Revolution. We've got a new protagonist, Connor, who's like half British, half Native American, and it's gonna be fucking awesome. And it's like this is we've been working on this game since Assassin's Creed Two came out, and like you know they made a huge deal out of all of that. Then Assassin's Creed Three came out had a very lukewarm reception and it's the kind of lukewarm reception where the critics are like yeah it's a pretty good game and then the fans are like fuck everything about this because video game fans are one way or the other they're binary yeah exactly they are they are very extreme in their opinions you don't you don't go on the internet and find someone talking about a video game they're like it was okay they're just like yeah no this is the worst fucking thing that has ever happened to anything ever I have ever witnessed in my entire life like they have ruined the Assassin's Creed franchise as a beloved franchise because Assassin's Creed 3, some of it's kind of disappointing. And some of it is kind of disappointing. But So that's the history, my history with Assassin's Creed in, in as brief detail as I can provide. And so with Assassin's Creed 3, I went into it knowing that most people didn't like it, knowing that even though I really like Assassin's Creed 2, I have much more negative opinions on all the other games in the series other than Assassin's Creed 2. Most people consider Brotherhood to be the best game in the franchise, Eh, I don't think so. But, so Assassin's Creed 3 came out. I went into it. I am so... This game is way better than people give it credit for. Because, first of all, it's the best Assassin's Creed game since 2. Because they actually did put in, like, legitimate new mechanics. They fixed problems that the series had had for a long time. The combat is way, way better than it ever had been. It's The combat, in my opinion, is just as good as the combat in an Arkham Asylum or an Arkham City, whereas the other Assassin's Creed games, it was sort of like, like you know, a shitty version of the Arkham City-style combat. And this, But this, all, like, even though it kind of feels like the Arkham-style combat and sort of like the rhythm and countering and stuff, it's got its own unique flavor. You've got, like, you know, you can use pistols and stuff, and that's really fun, and by the time you get to the end of the game... You have, like, a brace with two pistols that both have double barrels, so you can just shoot four times without having to reload. which just can level whole platoons. It's awesome. The combat in the game is way better. The setting, I think, is really interesting. They make really good use of the American Revolutionary setting, because, first of all, Ubisoft is a Canadian-based uh, studio, so you don't get any, like, sort of, like, raw, raw, America, we are the greatest. Like, that's not here. You know, you have a lot of, you know, looking at, hey... George Washington, one, not a really good military commander, really at all. The dude had a very charismatic presence, shitty military commander. It's a fucking miracle we won the Revolutionary War. Also, the way we treated the Native Americans, especially the way George Washington treated the Native Americans, not great. Really not, especially even after, especially after we won the Revolutionary War, really not nice how we treated the Native Americans. To, to put it lightly, you know, genocide, to put it accurately. Johnny Depp playing Tonto. Exactly. It's worse than genocide. But yes. Not really disclaimer, not really yeah, worse yeah, than genocide. Joking. Yeah. <laughs> but so yeah, they they make really like I think mature use of the American revolutionary setting and it's a, I mean, I personally find that setting the most interesting out of all of them because I I like that period in history. Although one one complaint I have with it is that and this is kind of a complaint and kind of not is that they don't you like you you know Assassin's Creed 2 you fucking, you know, it's set in, like, the 15th century in Italy. So, of course, Leonardo da Vinci is like your 
crazy inventor companion dude. He's like your Q, basically. You know, this really quirky, like, I'm gonna make you a flying machine, and I'm gonna, like, fix your hidden blade and put a gun in it and shit. And it's so dumb. Because he's just like, Leonardo da Vinci, you know, one of the greatest, like, minds in human history, and we're gonna put him in this fucking video game and, like, make him this really weird, dumb character. And they don't do that with almost with really anyone in Assassin's Creed 3, you know? Like, I was really hoping there was going to be a lot more, like, crazy Benjamin Franklin or something, you know? And they don't, you know, you, you run into Samuel Adams quite a bit. You run into George Washington quite a bit. There's a little bit of Benjamin Franklin at the beginning. Other than that, like, none of the other, like, really major, like, founding father figures appear. There's no, like, Thomas Jefferson. There's no James Madison. So that's like there's there's a little bit of Paul Revere and he just sort of disappears because he gets captured in real life and so they're just like hey he got captured I know he was a character for like the first five hours of the game but in real life he he got captured so we can't use him anymore and so they 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 make really mature use of the revolutionary setting which is a good thing and a bad thing but the number one thing I am okay the no the, there are two things I'm most impressed at with Assassin's Creed Three first of all the naval combat is fucking amazing. It is by far the best part of the game. It is by far the best thing the Assassin's Creed franchise has ever done by a long shot. And that makes me super excited for Assassin's Creed 4 because Assassin's Creed 4 is expanding the naval-style combat into, like, that being almost like the game. Because, you know, obviously there'll still be land-based stuff, but you have, like, open-world exploratory aspect to the naval combat, which sounds awesome because in Assassin's Creed 3, it's just, like, sort of, you go to the harbor... You talk to Mr. Faulkner, your first mate, great first mate name, and you pick, like, a selection. There's, like, 15 or so naval missions that you get to pick from. And they're all pretty simple, like, uh, we ambush these ships. We get ambushed by these ships. We go into this storm. And it really feels like it's almost a proof of concept for what they're doing in Assassin's Creed 4. And Assassin's Creed 3, even though it's really light and sort of, like, off to the side, like, you don't really need to do it at all other than for a few story missions, it is really awesome it is an experience that no other video game I've played even really tries to replicate in any way. And so it, that, that aspect of the game is damn near perfect as far as like the scope of what it's trying to accomplish. And that's awesome. Like I said, way better than anything the Assassin's Creed franchise has ever done. Because everything the Assassin's Creed franchise has done, they've done kind of well, but with like, a, like huge flaws there. And I don't really feel that with the naval combat. The other part of the game I am most impressed by... And this is not to say, again, that it is any, in any way actually good, but the story actually tries to be a fucking story. Because for those who just go back to the history of Assassin's Creed, the Assassin's Creed narrative is, they fuck this up so bad, where it's, you know, the, mo- the, the vast majority of the games are actually set in whatever historical setting it is, but sort of the framework of how you get to that historical setting, where in that setting you're playing as an assassin fighting against the Templars and that's sort of like this ancient like rivalry that has spanned all of human history is the assassins who favor freedom fighting the Templars who favor order and but that's all framed within you are playing as Desmond Miles aka Nolan North in modern day and you're getting inside a machine called the Animus that allows you to relive the memories of your ancestors through DNA bullshit and so you're doing that because there's an ancient science fiction civilization that came before us, our progenitors, the forerunners, the pro, the Protheans, one might call them, of uh, like whatever, like all the the fucking uh, like progenitor races that have ever been in science fiction. 
that's here too. And you're trying to, like, piece together this mystery of, like, oh, there are these ancient artifacts called the Pieces of Eden that allow you to control people's minds, and it's all this grand... And they're all named after Roman gods, and so... Except for Roman gods are actually named after them, which doesn't make any sense, because Roman, Roman gods are named after Greek gods. So how did... That doesn't make any fucking sense. They should be named all after Greek gods. But it's all this grand conspiracy, grand plan to stop a massive solar... Not like solar flare, but like a solar flare. Like a massive solar ejection on the planet that would just kill everybody. And that's sort of what it all... It's all leading up to... If I say what it's all leading up to, I mean the end. Just the very last three minutes of every single Assassin's Creed game builds that plot. And that's it. Like you could literally just watch the last cutscene of each Assassin's Creed game and get as much of that story as is presented. Because that's it. That's all it ever moves forward. The end of every Assassin's Creed game, you you walk into a room, a crazy alien hologram pops up, you go, what the fuck, the stuff this hologram is saying is crazy, and then you kill off the only other good character in the whole franchise, and then you go on to the next game. You know, that's, it's just the most awful storytelling, because they make no effort at all to try to combine anything about the meta-narrative to the, the like, actual narrative of the game, which is, like, Ezio fighting the fucking Pope, you know? Like, that's what's actually going on. That's what you're invested in. That's what they put the most time into, that story. But that story is rendered meaningless because it's couched within this meta-narrative, this apocalyptic meta-narrative that they just don't decide to progress at all with characters. They don't decide to characterize at all because they don't spend any time on it. And they don't have any sort of, like, thematic connection or anything, you know? It's so... It is the worst storytelling I've, like, ever seen in a product that has this much effort put into it. So with Assassin's Creed 3, the ending is fucking terrible. The ending is so bad. The way they end the, the Nolan North storyline, where we know like the, the Assassin's Creed 4 is not Nolan North's Desmond Miles, like because they, they very concretely like end... Well, they, they leave like sequel hooks, but they sort of end his story that started Assassin's Creed 1 to Assassin's Creed 3. But, like, that story ends so poorly. It is so shitty, it's unbelievable. Where it's just like... It's it's like every other game where it's just like, Oh, here's all this stuff we're going to just tell you. We're just going to exposit at you for five minutes with all this crazy bullshit. And this is going to cut the credits. And that's it. And we're not going to give you any time to sort of sit with it. To think about it. To, like, have the characters think about any of this stuff that's going on. Because the characters never get the opportunity to react to the crazy shit that happens, because it happens at the end of the game, and then the next game picks up, like, a couple of days later. So it's like, oh, all the important shit, we don't know how the characters deal with it at all. And so that's that aspect of the story. The ending is so fucking bad. But they actually, in terms of, like, merging thematic elements of the two narratives, they tried. Like, there is a father-son thing going on where, like, Connor is fighting with his Templar father, Hatham, but then he also has this other father figure, Achilles, and he's sort of, like, drawn between those two, and then Nolan North's Desmond Miles is reunited with his father at the end of Revelation and sort of dealing with his rocky relationship with his assassin father that sort of, like, you know, indoctrinated him into the assassin order when he was just a kid. So it's like, there are, there are themes there are consistent themes between the two parallel storylines, which is more than any other Assassin's Creed game ever even attempted to do. So they have... So A-plus, right? They have taken a step to narrative competence. 
which is more than I can say for any of the other Assassin's Creed stories. So, holy shit, like, I was so amazed where I was like, oh my god, there's like, there is something about this story that you actually have to kind of pick apart for like a second, you know, if you can't just play the game and be like, oh, that was, that was that. You know, you have to see this like, oh yeah, there's a, there's an interesting parallel going on between Connor's relationship with Haytham and Desmond's relationship with his father. Like, there's, yeah, they're doing, they're, they're putting that in the game. Holy shit. Like, they never tried to do that before. And it all kind of, like, it never doesn't, like I said, resolve satisfactorily. Although I think the Connor storyline is really well done. I really, I think the Connor storyline is the best story stuff they've ever done if you just segregate it which is hard to do because, again, it's couched in a narrative that makes that part of the story completely fucking pointless because what you're, the stakes you're dealing with now are so huge that why would you give a shit about his personal struggles with, like, his village getting Conan the Barbarian and shit? Like, who cares? We're dealing with the end of the world. But if you can put that away, the Connor storyline's actually kind of okay. So that's Assassin's Creed 3. Like, I'm so... I am happy with it. I think it is by far the best game since the, in the franchise since Assassin's Creed 2. I think it is probably kind of on par with Assassin's Creed 2. Because Assassin's Creed 3, like, its major problems are the, the scope. Like, the side missions feel really disjointed. There are all these, like, systems that don't mesh. Like, you can hunt and stuff like that, but there's no real reason to. You know, money is kind of pointless. Because you can use money to upgrade your ship, which is the only thing that's really worthwhile. But even then, like, you can beat all the naval missions with the normal ship without even really trying. The naval missions aren't hard. So it's like, that aspect of the game is not as well-crafted as Assassin's Creed 2. But the combat, the movement, that, and the story aspect in Assassin's Creed 3 is better than 2. So, I think, I think people gave Assassin's Creed 3 a real bad rap. So I'm, I am... I am back on board the Assassin's Creed franchise. Which and you're I, excited for 4. I'm super... I think 4 is going to be the best one. Like, by far. Just like, after I played 3, I got really excited about 4, which I was not expecting. And so I went online and watched a lot of, like, trailers and demos and stuff that I had not looked at before because I just didn't give a shit. And then I just, like, saw some of the stuff they're doing with, like, the free roaming of the boats and the Caribbean setting. And just the fact that, again, with, like... It seems like they're doing more interesting stuff with the storyline because with the... Like, the pirates being assassins is fucking perfect. Because that is, you know, the Assassin's Creed itself is nothing is true, everything is permitted. Like, that is what the, the creed is. So it's basically just nihilism. But they don't treat it like that. But that is that is the pirate... That's, that, it should just be fucking called Pirate's Creed. Because Pirate's Creed is nothing is true, everything is permitted. So, Assassin's Creed 4 seems awesome. Alright, so do you think it'll also be, it'll help that they're going to be working on kind of narratively a clean slate with 4? I, I hope so. Like, there again, there is some really, like, like the sequel hook they leave at the end of Assassin's Creed 3 is super dumb. And I, like, like the, the whole First Civilization story has always been terrible. But hopefully that stuff can kind of be in the background. Then, because there, there are other aspects of the story they deal with, with, like, how... Because because all these characters that you're playing as are the ancestors of Desmond Miles for specific reasons. Because he's like, he's got some first civilization bolt. They don't even explain why. Like he has this eagle vision thing. They don't even explain in Assassin's Creed Three where that comes from. But like like all the the characters you play as are his ancestors, and that is consistent with Assassin's Creed Four, where you play as the father of the father of the character in Assassin's Creed Three, and okay. so. They, they do some interesting stuff with like how you like the people would be able to have access to those memories without necessarily having Desmond Miles be the main character, and so that stuff seems cool. Like okay. it, it, it seems like it'll probably be a good jumping on point 
It seems like narratively they have been making the correct steps. Well, they made a, a step with Assassin's Creed 3. They and introduced I, themes. Yeah, yeah. And I think in Assassin's Creed 4, it looks like if they are conscious of what they have set up for themselves in terms of the Assassin's Creed itself and the pirate lifestyle, I think that could be really interesting. And, and dealing with, with... And again, I think the pirate setting, like sort of like really early 18th century in the Caribbean, that's really cool, so... Okay. Two things. Yes. First, when are we going to get the Templar's Creed spinoff? Uh, it's a fucking... I don't know. I, I hope we do. I don't even know what the Templars could like. The Templars are just like we like order. Like we're just kind of the bad guys. Like it's just it's a thing. We just like fighting, killing people. I don't know. This is the, the Templars. What the Templars are trying to achieve has never really made sense to me. But sure, I, right. they must. They must have some kind of creed. Yeah. All right. Second thing. As long as we're on the topic of pirates, did you hear they named Pirates of the Caribbean Five? Uh, yes, but I, don't, I remember it was kind of dumb. Yeah, it's it? Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales. That's right. So it's like the longest, remember. clunkiest... It, which sounds like, like, Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales, that sounds like the comic book spin-off of yes. the Pirates of the Caribbean movies, which, that reminds me, one, one thing I just think is kind of funny in Assassin's Creed 3, this will be the last thing I say about it, that has been a trend I've seen in some other games, like Mass Effect 3 does this too, where they bring in a character... That I haven't read the series, but I know he's a character from like this comic book spinoff of Assassin's Creed, where he like like his ancestor's some like Russian dude, and they bring him into Assassin's Creed Three with like no explanation, and his character's just there, and you kill him because he's a bad guy, and it's it's not a plot point. It's so dumb. You, like the way that you kill him off is so given no drama whatsoever. You just you just kind of kill him, but it's just like. And we're just going to throw this character from, like, obviously from the expanded universe and just plop him in here for, like, three scenes. Not, like, like try to explain it in, like, this really clunky exposition that just tells you what happened in the comic book story, and then you kill him. And it's just, like, I feel really bad for fans of that comic book franchise who get to, or that, like, that comic book miniseries, assuming there are fans of it, I don't know how good it is, that just, like, the main character of it just, like, really unceremoniously gets killed off in this game with, like, just, like... Yeah, no, we're just going to pop him in here and stab. That's it. So, yeah. It's fan service at its best. <laughs> exactly. Fucking keep the, ex- keep the expanded universe expanded universe and keep the main storyline the main storyline. You know, like Halo 4 had a problem with that too, I think, with like just throwing the didact in there without a lot of explanation. Without any. I just actually yeah, was replaying yeah. Halo 4 um, with my brother um, on co-op. We were doing a legendary run. And I was looking for it because I was, I was, I thought maybe did I miss something the first time yeah. through? I wanted to find the moment where Cortana and Chief realized who this was, and they don't. They just the guy comes out, and the next scene, Cortana's like, like, it's, like it's follow it's the, the didact. didact. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not even it's the didact. It's let's find the didact. It's, yeah. So there's no moment where yeah, it's they like how do you people know? Like like I because the only way you're supposed to be able to assume those characters know that is you assume those characters read and understood the Halo 3 terminals because that's where the Didact character originally comes from. Which even that's okay. kind of generous. Like that's yeah. this not something you should assume that all the characters like all the players found this hidden collectible that tells like this really tiny side story in Halo 3 and that like Cortana and Master Chief like literally read those terminals, understood them, and are able to then visually recognize the Didact when he pops out of his like egg. That's yeah. Yeah. So while we're on the topic of video games, the, the okay. stuff I want to talk about is some movie stuff. Okay. Um, but you know, you mentioned Mass Effect really quickly, and yes, it reminded right. me I kind of have a story to tell about Mass Effect. Okay. Which is the story of how Jonathan 
turned from the ways of evil and started playing as a paragon. Yeah, you're 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 following my path. Only like ten years later. <laughs> yes. Um, so as you know, I played Mass Effect one and two earlier this year, and two is my second favorite game of all time, and well, third now because I finished Persona three. Blah 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 blah. Yeah. But in any case. Mass Effect 1 and 2, I was playing them, I was going to play 3, and I got sidetracked by some other games, including Persona 4, and then I was maybe going to go back and play 3 again, but I felt I'd lost some of, my, some of my momentum, and then at the same time, Thomas, let my brother, left for college and took most of my Xbox games, including the Mass Effect trilogy. So I was like, eh, fuck it, I've got money, I'm going to go, you know, or, I'm not saying I'm rich or anything, I was just yeah, like, yeah. I can... You, I have, can, you have just enough disposable income... To pay to, for to, video to, games. Yeah, to, to buy the Mass Effect trilogy. Yeah, that's all I mean. Is that, yeah, so I went over and, and picked it up for the PS3, because I knew they'd fix some issues with 1 and stuff, and, and then they, you didn't have to do disc changing on 2 and 3 and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So I got that version. And I've been playing through 1 and 2, and uh, I played through 1 as a renegade, because uh, that's, that's just my kind of default... Uh, as yeah, because you're just a horrible person. Like, I you don't need, you, that's, that's all you need to say about it. We heard your stories about Red Dead Redemption. Yes. You know what you did. Well, I'll say, and I've, as I've said about Mass Effect before, kind of my main thing is I don't consciously choose I'm going to do a Renegade run or I'm going to do a Paragon run. Yeah. It's, I'm, I am this character. I, I look at the history I've chosen for my Shepherd, and I feel like, and listening to like Jennifer Hale's performance and whatnot, it's like, what do I feel like is natural for me as I'm role-playing this character in this moment? And it's just kill Usually any and everyone you run into. Well, I for, did... For no good reason. I did wind up in Mass Effect 1 doing a lot of Renegade things that I actually had not done before, like murdering this guy. There's this case in the Citadel where the Vorcha thinks his friend is trying to kill him. Yeah. And so you, what you can do is you can go kill the friend and get the Vorcha thrown in prison. And I did that and felt really bad about it. And I, what I did when I characterized it was that Shepard was having a bad day. Because the council were being total dicks. <laughs> you're... you're, you're... Your shepherd is very emotional and just like carried by the moment. It seems because you had an, ex- yes. an explan- a similar explanation. I don't know if this was your original playthrough or whatever about when with after you fought Matriarch Benezia yes. and, and with the <laughs> with the Rachni Queen and that you were so frustrated with how hard the Benezia boss fight was that you just killed the Rachnite Queen because you're just, like, really pissed off. Yeah, that Shepard was pretty temperamental yeah. that way. I did not kill the Rachnite Queen this time, but I did get to the end of the game and I killed the Council again because I want to kill the Council because they're fucking assholes. But here's the so thing. You're, you're I, just let me, a horrible let me, person. Let me explain. This was my revelation. Is yeah. that I that played through... Revelation. Yes, I played through Mass Effect 1, a fun game, get to the end with the Council, and I do the choice, and as soon as I made it, I felt bad. Like, literally, like, it's like in the Grinch, where his heart grows three sizes that day. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, like... <laughs> the little box breaks. Yeah. It's like, suddenly I felt like, wait a second, that wasn't the best thing I could have done. Yeah, and I just... <laughs> wait, 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 let me... Let me... Thrown the galaxy into turmoil. But that's the thing, is that I had forgotten how the game ended when you did that for some reason. I forgot that humanity took over. Yeah. And all that. So when humanity takes over, and you have that scene with Udina, where he's just like a fucking, like... Weird serial killer villain. Yeah, he's, he's like talking, a fucking, yeah, he becomes like a goddamn dictator. Right. So and I did. was and I immediately started choosing paragon options. Like, no, we have to work with the other races. No, Udina, this is wrong. No, Udina, and I'm protesting, and then the game ends and I'm like, I did something horrible. Yeah. I did, did something horrible. And then two starts, and I started two feeling kind of depressed because I did this horrible thing. And then you get, you know, fucking spaced and kill- Spoilers yeah. from Aspect 2 get- <laughs> It happens the first, like, three minutes right. of the game But it's a great first three yeah, minutes But anyway, opening. you know, you get fucking killed And brought back to life, and I realized This is a second chance And just as you once had <laughs> your revelation Wait, where- your shepherd is a born-again Christian <laughs> No, not that Your not shepherd that. is a born-again Christian Like, literally, no. literally, your shepherd died And came back to life, 
realizing the virtues of Christianity. And not Christianity. Not Christianity. Well, you know, space, the virtues... Okay, space Christianity, let's call it. Okay. Virtues of Christianity would be going around like killing infidels and shit. I'm not doing that. But it depends on your version of Christianity. That's, okay. that's not fair. Okay. Not um, every not every Christian or the the dude two guys on campus today carrying huge signs saying like accept Jesus as your savior and accosting every single passerby. Yes, the most Christian people are nice and reasonable and very compassionate. Okay. Anyway, but what I realized was that I'm going to call it more like a my name is Earl situation. Okay. That sure. TV show where Earl like gets he's a bad guy he gets hit by a car decides he wants to do good to reverse his karma. Yeah, it's just you Hakusho. Only, you have to yeah, he fights ghosts right. with, with spirit okay. powers. But. So it's that kind of thing where I realized, like, Shepard, I had this second chance, I had this second game. I was going to try to do good this time. Not always. My Shepard still is at edge. Whenever one of the Renegade options pops up, I still usually do it because they're fun. But, yeah, I mean, I tended to. Because yeah. usually it's just like, here's this mercenary. I'm going to push him out a window. He was right. going to... He's a fucking... He's, I've killed, like, dozens of these dudes up to this point. Right. What do I care if I push him out the window? But I really haven't done anything unnecessarily bad. And the few chances I have, I felt bad about it afterwards. So I real, I'm realizing the Paragon for me is now becoming more interesting. And I think it's the same kind of revelation you had. Yeah. When you talked before about how you really fell in love with Mass Effect when you decided to strictly go Paragon and you realized it was like your Shepard was a kind of a sociopath. Yeah, yeah. And so that was a way to view your shepherd that was interesting and, and really got you into it. Mm-hmm. And that's the same thing for me now, is that I'm really more into Mass Effect 2 even than before because it's like having this drive to do Paragon, not necessarily because she's a goody two-shoes, but because I feel like I have to kind of atone for the past. Yeah. Like, I kind of fucked up the galaxy with what I did at the end of 1. Yeah, you and now really did. And now you it's really my job. Did. And I also realized... Like, just from playing 2 before, kind of how fucked up... And playing 1 and got to the part where you actually do fight Cerberus in 1. I didn't do that the first yeah, time. Yeah, I realized, yeah, I realized how bad Cerberus is, so now I'm doing all the... Par- I like how the Paragon options in 2 are being directly rebellious to Cerberus. Yeah, yeah, it's, you get a nice sort of flip where it's like being yeah. a Paragon in Mass Effect 2 is the, the choices that make you kind of a badass, because you're like, yeah, anti-authority, you're really punk. Right. And then it's just, I don't know, it makes everything kind of richer doing it that way, yeah. but there's definitely... And I also think... One of the things I really love, I, I play Femship, and I think Jennifer Hale's performance is, is such, it's such an interesting dynamic performance because you can definitely feel that edge to it, yeah. even in the Paragon choices, very heavily. Like, it's not, none of, like, these choices don't come necessarily easily or naturally. Yeah, yeah. So, I like that. It's, it's fun, though. So, that's the story of how I, for the first time ever, started playing a game yeah. straight. But it's like, you know, but I was just, because I was just thinking about that choice at the end of Mass Effect 1, because, because I feel like a lot of people decide to let the council die, because the council is like the, you know, the, like the asshole-ish overhead of like, you know, Jack Bauer or whoever, like the dude trying to get shit done, and they're like, we've got laws, motherfucker, like you can't just go out and kill people and stuff like that, like we have a legal process, we can't just assume everything you're telling us is the truth, you need some evidence, like, you know, they are those characters... And the characters that need to be there narratively, and then in real life, definitely need to be there for the goddamn government. You don't just want Jack Bauer doing whatever the fuck he wants to do without any oversight whatsoever, because he's the fucking psychopath. But, like, so, but, you know, my analogy for the choice at the end of Mass Effect 1 is, like, if the U.S. military was in a situation where the every single delegate to the United Nations was at risk, and you only saved the U.S. one, and all the other ones died... And so then the United States just takes over the United Nations. It's just like, come on, like, fucking save the goddamn, like, like you know, some of the most important political people in the entire, in this case, galaxy. Just 
you can sacrifice a couple of soldiers to save them. They're soldiers. It's what they're, that's what their fucking job is. That's what they signed up to do, is to do some goddamn good. Let's save the galaxy, you know? Yeah. yeah. You didn't. You really didn't. And I, I regret the error of my ways because I think it got even worse with stupid Udina. And, yeah. Well, okay, I picked Anderson as the counselor, obviously. Yeah, but, but, but you know, Anderson doesn't want to be a counselor. He's a military man. You know? Right. So Udina eventually, obviously, is going to t- step up. He's, he's, the, he's the politician. Yep, so we'll check back in when I get through my, my kind of my, my my overall arc I'm feeling right now is that there's gonna be kind of a mix of Paragon and Renegade in two and then maybe by three I'll have completely turned the corner. Okay. Yeah. I'm not giving the the collector base over to Cerberus this time though. <laughs> Definitely you did that, that too? Jesus, <laughs> you're awful. Man. The ends justify the means, Sean. Sure, sure. Alright. Let's get to what I was actually gonna talk about okay, here. Right. Which is that yeah, so if you've been listening to me on this podcast or following me on Twitter, Which or, I really haven't. Or I've reading, not my... been listening to like what we're like on episode like fifty two something, like sixty two. We're on episode sixty two now. Sixty one. Sixty one now. Oh, one I've, of them. I maybe haven't listened to a total of like one podcast worth of you talking so far. So okay, thanks. Well, if you've listened, if you've listened to me more than Sean has, or read me on Twitter or my reviews and stuff, you've known. 2013, in my eyes, has been a pretty lackluster year for movies. Oh, it has. Huh. There's, there's, there's been some high points. I liked some of the big blockbusters this year. I, I've liked some smaller movies that have come out. Last week we talked about Woody Allen's new film, Blue Jasmine, which is spectacular. You should go see it if you haven't, or if it's in your area. It's, I don't think it's out wide yet. Um, but this was a really cool weekend because I got to see three really awesome movies. Actually, cool. six really awesome, five really awesome movies, but like in three sittings. Okay. And the first one I want to talk about is, um, if you know me, you know I some of my favorite movies ever are Edgar Wright's Shaun of the Dead and yeah. Hot Fuzz. The first two parts of his Three Flavors Cornetto trilogy, which completed this weekend with the release of The World's End. And the Alamo Draft House in Littleton had a screening Thursday night of all three movies. It was a big trilogy screening. And that was the most fun, most enjoyable, most rewarding and fulfilling experience I've had in a theater all year. In part because Shaun of the Dead, which to me is just an absolute masterpiece. I love that movie. It's a really good movie. Uh, it's better than anything that's come out this year by a wide margin. That is just a tremendous film. Hot Fuzz is... It's weird. Hot Fuzz is a movie I love so, so much. It's just one of the movies I can, like, quote the most, watch the most. I love that movie. And it's my least favorite of those three. Huh. Because I think it doesn't quite have the substance of Shaun of the Dead. It's f- a funnier yes, movie, definitely. Yeah. But Shaun of the Dead is a much more... I mean, boy, when Shaun of the Dead gets dramatic, it hurts. And it's yeah. really good. And even when it does get dramatic, it can also turn on a dime and do something just hilarious. Mm-hmm. And Hot Fuzz definitely has a really good thematic core to it and great characters and stuff. But it's primarily parody and it's top-notch A-plus yeah, parody. it's really funny. Movie. Yeah, it's very funny. It was so fun to watch with the crowd because especially the great you know, action climax, there was so much just applause in the theater yeah. and stuff. And then you could tell the people who had not seen Hot Fuzz before and were not prepared for what happens to Timothy Dalton... Where he gets impaled yeah. on the... Yeah. <laughs> Some people were shocked by that. And then The World's End, um, to me, is... It's not as good as Shaun of the Dead. because And I, and I think it would be hard to replicate that. But The World's End is probably my second favorite. And I think it's closer in tone to Shaun of the Dead. Because it is... It ha- it's very funny. It's, a fu- it's also funnier than Shaun of the Dead. Because as you said before, Shaun of the Dead... I don't even think calling that movie a parody is right. It's just a zombie movie. Yeah. And it's got humor in it. And zombies have often been used for satire. It's yeah. not a new thing. 
but I mean it's primarily a, a, a comedic but also dramatic exploration of, of maturity and, and the various themes and, and World's End is sort of similar to that but, but funnier because it's got a really great core ensemble in addition to Simon Pegg and Nick Frost it's uh, Eddie Marsan Patty Considine and Martin Freeman and those five together are just tremendous but The World's End is it's got a really clever premise about these friends well this, this Simon Pegg plays his character here is named um Gary King, and he's a total, total asshole. Like, he's playing a very kind of dark character. Mm. And Gary King is someone who had this, who has never amounted to anything in his life. He's just hit 40, and uh, he keeps, the, the only night of his life he considers, like the, the, like, the height of his life was this pub crawl he tried to do with his four best friends back in college to go to these 12 pubs in his town and do a pint at each. And they only made it to pub nine, but it was still the best night of his life. And now he wants to recreate it with those friends, all of whom have moved on with their lives. And when they try to do it, there happens to be something sci-fi that comes into the fold. And I won't spoil that because it really... The, the sort of non-real-world elements of it come in much later into the film than they do in Hot Fuzz or Shaun of the Dead. Okay. Um, and it's really interesting. I mean, and, and like Shaun of the Dead, I would not call this a parody of sci-fi. I think it's just a straight-up sci-fi movie in that it uses sci-fi concepts to explore really interesting ideas about humanity. Um, and The World's End is, is a, it's great. It's really heartfelt, really funny just terrifically paced, moves along really well. It's, it's just a great, great movie. So rich, so rewarding. And the ending is very... The word I, I kept coming around to with the ending is that it's challenging. I know a lot of people have not liked the last ten minutes of the movie. It's been kind of controversial among fans. No, nothing that... I, I haven't heard anyone say it ruined it for them, just that they yeah. didn't like it as much. And to me, I definitely in the moment did not like it as much. And yet... I spent more time thinking about this movie than either of the other two, in part because it was new, but also in yeah. part because those last ten minutes, there's some really, really big ideas going on here. They're very complex, they're very dark, and they're very adult, and they're really interesting to ponder. And I think, to me, this is the best movie that has come out this year that I've seen, is The World's End. And I think, in part, it's just, you know, I would rather have another movie with these guys, the Cornetto Trilogy team, than any of the other sequels that have come out this year, because I love those other two movies so much. Yeah, and I'm, you call it, like, The World's End is not a sequel. Like, no, no, it's, no. It's, yeah, it's another movie made by the same creative team. Right, and I just love that, that you can take that creative team and they can do these... I mean, that's one of the things that shocked me so much about these, is that while the style is the same for each, uh, similar in that, you know, Edgar Wright use, shoots them in a similar way and does some of the quick zoom pan stuff... Um, they, it's amazing how like Simon Pegg in particular His three characters feel so distinct That you jump from Shaun of the Dead Right into Hot Fuzz And you immediately forget about Shaun You're just focusing on Nicholas Angel And it's mm-hmm. the same when you jump from that to Gary King Though He is a phenomenal actor And I think it's uh, As good as Simon Pegg is in like the Mission Impossible movies And in the Star Trek movies Hollywood has barely used his talent Because yeah. he is a great great actor and and I think The World's End is some of his best work ever. It's, it's tremendous. But yeah. Um, but anyway, so The World's End, I think to me, feels like more of an event than some of the other big sequels. And again, it's not a sequel, but you know yeah. what I mean. It's, it was more of an event for me. I was more excited for this than really anything else this summer. And it really delivered, and it feels very special to me. It feels like one of those movies that will just be one of my favorites. Like part of that, it goes with those other two in the Cornetto trilogy and kind of you know, as as movies that I really hold dear. So that was fun. Watching them all in a row was fun. Alamo Draft House had you know fun uh, English flavored food and stuff for the event. So that was that was cool. So they, just bad food. Um, I didn't I didn't eat that. That some of the stuff they had. I they had like a special English grilled did they cheese. Have fish that was probably, and chips. They did. I did not have that. That was probably not all that good. But I had their their Cornetto trilogy Sunday. That was that was, that was decent. Okay. I'll tell you though, through through six hours of movies at the Alamo Draft House, you spend a lot of money on food. I can imagine. Yeah. Yes. So, 
guy next to me spent 50 bucks on like drinks alone <laughs> so anyway um, yeah so so those are great movies uh, go see The World's End if you haven't it is so so fantastic really great movie and obviously see the other two if you haven't but then I was able to follow that up by catching up on some indie movie stuff that I'd kind of missed um, first movie I, I saw after that was The Act of Killing which is playing now in Denver at the Denver Film Center and at the Alamo Draft House. it's a uh, Distributed here by Drafthouse Films in America, and the Act of Killing is this documentary that premiered in at Toronto, I believe, last last year. It premiered on the on the like film festival circuit last yeah. year. It's a documentary um, about several people who were involved in the ex- in the mass executions of so-called communists in 1965 to 1966 in Indonesia. There was this mass purge of of people they considered communists, not necessarily that they were communists. It was like the American Red Scare, but with murder. Um, And so there were over 500,000 people... The Blood Red Scare, one might call it. Yes, there were 500,000 people exterminated, and the act of killing is a fascinating and just disturbing-as-fuck documentary in which... Basically, um, there's this the, the the main person interviewed Anwar Congo and several other people who were executors in that military regime. Um, the main guy Anwar killed over 1,000 people personally, and he is the main subject of the documentary. And how the documentarian uh, Joseph Oppenheimer got them to speak and, and interact with this documentary is he gave them the opportunity to dramatize on film their experiences and memories, whatever way Jeez. they saw fit. And so the movie is basically like a behind-the-scenes of them filming their own experiences and memories, m- murdering mass pe- mass amounts of people. And they have like sound stages and stuff. They, and they do it through the different genres that inspired them at the time. They explain like film noir, gangster movies, and even musicals. At one point, there's the most disturbing thing I've seen in a movie all year is this big musical number set to "Born Free," depicting the victims of the killing. Forgiving the killers. It is unbelievably disturbing and provocative, and and it's a phenomenal documentary. It's been acclaimed even by people who are you know all time great documentarians like Werner Herzog and uh, Errol Morris as one of the great documentaries ever made, and that is probably true. It is astounding. the The general arc. I mean, it's it's this the the version I saw with uh, the screening I saw had a video introduction by the director Joseph Oppenheimer, and he said. The movie was meant to be an exploration into what it, how, you know, there are, in, in fictional stories we have people who are good and people who are evil. In real life, there aren't people who are good and people who are evil. There are people, and people sometimes yeah. do good or do evil. And he said, this is one of, this, he says, this film I was inspired to make because I had not seen many movies about the process of what it takes to do evil and what that does to the human soul. And so that is what the movie is about. And it is really fascinating um, if you have the stomach to see it. Um, and I can understand if you want a good time at the movies, don't go see this. Go see The World's End or something. But um, active, active Killing is, is very good. So, um, And then, last movie I saw, totally on the other side, tonally, this was Tonal Whiplash, was In a World, which is an indie comedy um, written by, directed by, and starring this actress, Lake Bell. And it is about the world of movie trailer voiceover narration. It's inspired by um, God, now I forget his name, but the the guy who was the like prime movie voiceover the, uh, trailer narration guy who, said, yeah, I can't who remember his coined name. the in a world yeah. thing. And so it's about uh, Lake Bell plays this character. She's the daughter of another famous 
um, movie voiceover trailer guy, and she wants to get into the business, and her father doesn't want her to, and it's it's sort of like a standard sort of romantic comedy kind of story, but filtered through this very creative world that we have not seen on film before yeah. necessarily, um, and with some other things. It's sort of this really sort of subtle, nice female empowerment story. It's very low-key, very small scale, and that's what I wound up liking about it a lot. Um, I don't know what cities it's playing in. I know it got to Denver, so it's probably in a lot of places. If you can see it, um, you know, maybe not see it in theaters if you don't want to, but when it comes out on video on demand or DVD and stuff, definitely check it out. It's a, it's a fun movie, and it was very just kind of sweet in its low-key, heartwarming way. It was definitely, you know, the, the, the whole Cornetto trilogy screening and then the act of killing kind of sapped me emotionally. And then going in and watching this was just a nice little refresher. So Nice. So yeah, so those were, those were my movie experiences over the weekend. And I've got a ton more on my list just from small stuff that all arrived at the same time in Denver that I've got to get around to at some point or another. So yeah. So 2013, I now have at least like two viable candidates for my top ten. Okay, we, we might be able to push it out to a top five. I don't know if you just like bring like because since you saw Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz this year, like you watched them again, I think they count, right? Yeah, the movies I, you saw this year. There's this no rule that had to be made this year that that this had to be the first time you saw it was this year. I mean, I saw also saw King Kong a couple of weeks ago at the Draft House. Dude, there you go, best movie of the year, number Done. one, King best Kong. movie of every single year of other than the actual best movie every single year is the Seventh Voyage of Sinbad since like 1956, but. Yeah, but King Kong, for, you know, Fay Ray for Best Actress, yeah, all of that. King Kong for, for Best, best actor. actor, yes, yeah. absolutely. All right, so that's that's kind of my stuff. We're fifty minutes in; we should probably get to business. Let's talk a little more movie news. Oh yes. Um, you know, in a perfect world, Sean, we would spend three to four minutes on this. Yeah, which is like, that I don't know how much I have to say about this, but I have some stuff to say about it. Like I, I have, I have, I have a thing to say, but yes, so. This weekend, or Thursday night, it was actually kind of funny because I was at the Cornetto Trilogy screening when this broke, and when I got home, Twitter and the internet were on fire. And it was, it was all about, Warner Brothers announced Ben Affleck had been cast as Batman. Batman. My initial thoughts? Ah, he's a good actor. I'll get excited, I'll get interested in that yeah. in two years fucking time when this is relevant. Yeah. What was your reaction? I don't get, yeah. Uh, yeah. In two he, years. Yeah, like, I will care... When I see what he's going to do with the performance, like I fucking hate people who I hate people who care about casting in movies when it's just like you know we're years out, we have no idea what this actor is going to bring to this performance. All we know is that a certain actor has been cast in a role. You have you don't have anything to judge them on. If they're like you know, if they're an actor you don't like, like if you think they are just bad at acting, you have never seen them give a good performance, then I could see maybe, yeah, sure. But this is that's not the case here, and it's just like he's a fucking actor. Actor's job is to play a character, is to, is to make believe effectively, and. So you don't know what they're going to do. You don't know what they're going to bring to the character, how they're going to approach it. You have no fucking clue if they're going to do something crazy awesome or something terrible. You, we just don't know. We have no basis on that. So people who care about act, like these casting choices without knowing what the actor is going to do with the part, you don't have the most important piece of information with which to judge whether or not they should have been cast. You are not the fucking director. You don't know what the audition was. You don't know anything about it. All you know is a fucking name and a role, and that's it. You know nothing else. So, shut the fuck up. 
you, you fucking idiots. Like, that's all I have to say about it, because it's so dumb. You have no information with which to make this, this decision that Ben Affleck should or should not be Batman. You don't have, you just, you shouldn't care until you fucking see it. If it comes out and he's a terrible Batman, which he very well might be, then you can be like, well, this was a terrible decision made by whoever, like Zack Snyder and everyone else who cast him. But only until then can you make that choice. Couldn't have said it better myself. And in fact, I said something very similar. I wrote an opinion piece the day after this broke on We Got This Covered because I was just so fucking fed up with my Twitter feed and and every on all the forums and all the all the websites like every entertainment site I read like, all they of them. Made, like fans made a fucking petition to have him two, not be Batman. Two different on change.org and stupid fucking change.org which has lost all credibility was sending that around via email. Jeez, <laughs> oh, I didn't get the email on that one. Yeah. And I, I it was so dumb and I and honestly one of the things I said in my piece my piece was dear internet please shut up it was originally shut the fuck up my editor took that out it was Fair please shut up about Ben Affleck and Batman for the next two years please yeah. shut up and one of my points was I don't care whether you it, it I am equally annoyed by the people who are supporting it by the people who aren't because you have yeah. you had all this initial backlash like the petitions and the Twitter hashtags and all that of people saying this is the worst decision ever yeah. I thought you Mass think, Effect 3 like people just replayed Mass Effect 3 all of a sudden and it's like oh we're doing the ending again right fantastic and then of course there was the other side where all this the sites like I saw Entertainment Weekly did it and Hitfix did it and for showing you everyone was doing it and it cool news was doing everybody was publishing the opinion pieces like why why Ben Affleck will be a great Batman, and they are equally yeah. uninformed opinions. Exactly. I'm sorry, because yeah, exactly. I I happen to think Ben Affleck is a very good actor because yeah. I've seen him do very very good work. And so what I said in my piece was, we know one thing, which is that a good actor has been cast as Batman. Yeah. That does not mean a good actor for the part has been cast as Batman. We don't know. We haven't yeah. seen him do it. And and as and I went through a whole list of like there are like eighteen. You know, there are many many different ways they could take Batman. We yeah. just don't know. There are all sorts of interpretations. He would be he, his skill set seems to fit for some. It seems like it wouldn't fit for others. But you know, we just don't know. And honestly, I was even annoyed by the people saying like, you know, well, this is the this was the reaction to Michael Keaton when he was cast too. Yeah, like, yeah, or, or Heath not... Ledger when he was cast as a Joker. It's like that's not the fucking point. Yeah, this doesn't matter. That doesn't mean like because they say that like expecting that that then means Ben Affleck is going to be a great Batman or something. It's just right. like. That means nothing. All that means is that you should shut the fuck up. That's all that means. That's all it means is everyone should shut the fuck up. Right. And I just, I realized, really it was the circumstances under which I heard this news that got me so frustrated, which is that I had just spent six hours watching three of my favorite movies of all time, such a great night, for the first time in a long time as a movie fan, I just got to sit down, not, I had not gotten, I like, I had not been spoiled on the world's end, I had never yeah. seen a trailer, I had never seen a TV spot, never read a review, I'd, I'd heard the reaction was positive, because people on Twitter were, you know, had seen it, and were just saying 140 characters, I loved the movie. Yeah. But, like, I hadn't, I knew That's nothing about it. 140 characters, by the way, right. I love the movie, yeah. just so you know. Right. But anyway, yeah, but anyway, I had spent this time just, I didn't have to worry about stupid casting news, or worrying about anything else it was just I got to watch enjoy the movies think about them digest them and that's what I do this for I like to watch great movies and write about them and talk about them and that's that's the ex- everything else is a distraction yeah. box office news release news casting news all of it is a distraction and the problem with it is all of it is about looking at the future rather than living in the fucking moment and ex- appreciating what we have not just the movies that are coming out now but the movies that have existed for a yeah. hundred years like you know instead of talking about Ben Affleck as Batman we could all go watch Seven Samurai and talk about that or something yeah. you know 
And that's what's so annoying about this. And I just, when I got home and I saw that news and I saw Twitter was just pages and pages and pages of people bitching about this, I just, it was kind of a breaking point for me where it's like I realized how much I don't care about this stuff because I can't invest in something that's two years off. I just can't. Because literally, it would be different if it's like the Avengers sequel because I know what Avengers 1 was like. Yeah. And if they were to say we've added Spider-Man into Avengers 2, that would be something worth kind of getting interested in because I that's a yeah, known Yeah, or, or like finding out, oh, Batman is going to be in the next Superman movie. That's something that's interesting. Like, right. just knowing that. I don't care who the Batman is, but Batman being in a Superman movie, yeah, okay. Right. But even then, we know so little about this movie. We don't even know the... Je- they, they've said some stuff about they're doing something Frank Miller-esque, but uh, yeah. I mean... We could get into this. I don't think they're actually going to do that because they wouldn't really be allowed to do something like that because that's not commercial. Well, yeah, blah, blah, blah. But I, I, I think, you know, they can filter some Frank Miller ideas through it, but it's not. Yeah, really I, mean, I think they're going to do... They're not going to do the, the Dark Knight Returns like exa- like they can't do it exactly because to do that story, Superman has to have been around for longer than Batman. But, right. like, I, it sounds like they're going to take, like, a general, like... Batman is... It's, I mean, it almost sounds like it's going to be, in a way, a sequel to The Dark Knight Rises, like, spiritually, where it's right. going to be like, eh, Batman's been retired for a while, then all this Superman shit went down, and now he's back. Which I hate because that's that's the wrong order. Superman is the first superhero, both in terms of the continuity, that the continuity that matters, and, like, the actual real-life Superman is the first superhero. So I don't like the idea of Batman actually having, like, been there first somehow, but... Yeah, but anyway, we just know so little about it, you know, we know nothing about how Ben Affleck's going to play this. So it's just like, everybody calm down. Quit talking about this movie that won't come out for two fucking years if if they get it, you know, started in time. Yeah. Just quit talking about all that and focus on something that matters in the moment. And it was so weird to me because it really was this stark contrast of before that news broke, everyone on Twitter was talking about the world's end because it was this movie that's important to a lot of people. And so people were on Twitter discussing this movie that exists and matters and then it was this harsh stop where everybody went and started talking yeah. about this movie that, by definition, does not matter because it does not fucking exist. It literally doesn't yeah. exist. And so at that point, it's like, I just don't care. And that was sort of the point of my article, and then I got some of the harshest comments I've ever gotten in my life from people explaining, guys, so many idiots. I know we deleted a lot of these comments, but I'm going to make fun of them anyway. We had people who were like, you know, but you don't understand, this is Batman, and he's so important to me, and they've ruined him forever! And how do they have the nerve to do that? And then there were other people like, it's like, did you not watch Batman and Robin? Batman was ruined! He's tarnished! Yeah. It's it's all over. It's been over since before you watched New Batman fucking existed. Yeah, it's it's done. God damn it. Yep. And then we had, I, and I also love things like people trying to be calm and reason, being like, I kind of get where you're coming from, but I just I don't see how you could ever support this. It's I don't like Ben Affleck, and I don't agree with the casting. It's like great if you don't agree, you don't get a fucking say in it, yeah. dude. And so, you don't like on what basis? Yeah. Like it's not like Ben Affleck is like a twelve year old girl. Ben Affleck is perfectly fine. Yeah. Like there's nothing about Ben Affleck that makes him like impossible to be Batman for fuck's sake, you know? Right. Yeah. And hey, if they cast like Chloe Grace Moretz when she was yeah. 12 as Batman, I'd watch the shit out of that. Anyway, but, you know, yeah, it's like, were you in the... Like, there were a lot of people talking like they were in the room watching his audition yeah, exactly. and disagreed with Zack Snyder. And it's like, God, and you know, I... 
And my general preference is obviously to give the benefit of the doubt in this stuff because obviously they didn't just call Ben Affleck on a whim and be like, hey, you want to yeah. be Batman? Exactly. They probably t- showed him their ideas, said, hey, what do you think? He probably exchanged some ideas. They talked about it. They looked at what he'd done before. They probably had him audition a little bit. And they're like, like can you do the Christian Bale Batman voice? And he's like, yes, I can. And they're like, sold. Yeah. Done. We did right. it. So who knows? That, see, the only thing I'm, I want to know is will he have the beard he has right now when he plays <laughs> Batman? Will we have a bearded Batman? Yeah. <laughs> Probably not. Hopefully not. All I want to know if Ben Affleck is going to be playing Batman as if Batman was a 12-year-old girl. That's all this Because, you know, I think that speaks to the heart of the character, really, when you get down to it. Right. But. Okay. So that's the Batman stupid thing, blah, blah, blah. I just... The internet ruins everything. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. All this needed to be was it's broken that Warner Brothers, Ben Affleck's playing Batman, and everyone could have been like, cool, let's see how he does in two two years. And then we'll get angry if we need to get angry. Yeah. Like, the, the dumbest thing about it all is that, like, you know... Because, you know, like, I already said my thing about, like, I don't think we should, like, make judgments on casting calls until we see what they're doing. But even then, I don't understand why anyone thinks that Ben Affleck is going to be a bad Batman. Like, I don't... Where does all the Ben... Like, I didn't... You know, I haven't seen a lot of Ben Affleck movies, but it's like... It's from- He's a good actor. Like, I don't hate the fucking... Like, does everyone just hate Ben Affleck? I thought they liked him. I'll, everyone I'll- liked Argo, right? I'll go through it. it. There was a period in Ben Affleck's career, career post Goodwill Hunting, where he won an Oscar for writing that movie, um, and he had he had some good performances initially, and then Daredevil happened. Daredevil kind of, okay, yeah. which he's not bad in. He's yeah. fine in Daredevil. Yeah, he's Daredevil not... has a lot of problems. Ben Affleck is not the top of that list. No, and I think Ben Affleck, Ben Affleck didn't have a chance to yeah. be good in that movie because it's a terrible movie. It's like, yeah. Anyway, that that could be a whole separate rant. But yeah, yeah. and after, every actor's been in a bad movie, right? And he was in a string of bad movies after that. I don't know if he was bad in them. Like, I saw Kevin Smith's terrible Jersey Girl movie. He's good in that. It's just not a good movie. Yeah. And that's what happens. And he went and... Re- he's. I think he's a kind of an inspiring case because he his career kind of died. And instead of letting his career die, he rehabilitated it by starting and writing and directing his own yeah. movies. And if you see movies like The Town or Argo or like Hollywoodland or all these other movies he was in in the last five, six years, he's terrific in those. And... You know, yeah, and and I kind of was under the same impression. I thought we'd come around and like yeah, Ben Affleck. Yeah, it's again. like what? Why does everyone hate Ben Affleck? I don't get it. Like, I, it seems fucking cool. I, I don't know why everyone like hates right. him being Batman. I assume it's that the people who are bitching about it just have the they're, they only watch comic book movies, so they've only seen Daredevil or something. Yeah, but like even I, from that, I just yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, it just doesn't. On so many levels, it just makes absolutely no sense to me. Like, yeah. I don't know. Like, who is this, like, perfect Batman they hope would have been cast? Like, it just, like, if, if like, you cast Ben Affleck and everyone's, like, people are making fucking petitions for him not to be Batman, it just makes me think that, like, whoever they cast, it would be, oh, like, yeah. they would make fucking petitions for. Right. It's crazy. If they had cast Christian Bale again, we would have had... I would have petitioned. I don't... I don't particularly like his Batman. I think he's a decent Bruce Wayne. I really don't like his version of Batman. So it's like I'm I'm I am actually happy that Ben Affleck is playing Batman. Like I'm right. happy I'm happy that it's not something really dumb like they got Christian Bale again. Like I'm happy we're getting a new Batman, honestly. Oh yeah. No, I think it's this excites me cuz it's it's like I'm going to be interested to see what this new Batman is in 2 years, yeah. but I'm not going to get invested in it until the right time. Yeah. Exactly. You know. So yeah. Fucking Batman. 
what would have been really interesting is if they had cast Henry Cavill as Batman, but confirmed he's still Superman, and instead of being angry, the internet would have just been befuddled. Yeah, exactly. It was like, what is it? It's just like we never, we don't even have the budget to do like, like put them like CGI like next to each other, like in like old school <laughs> effects. Like we just like cut like across. You're right. This is Henry Cavill. It's easy because you know Batman looks really different than Superman just in the costume. You just never see like Bruce Wayne. You know? Right. So yes. And I, I think that's an interesting question is, you know, how much Bruce Wayne will even get in this movie. Yeah. So it may, you know, and, and I think it's interesting, Ben Affleck's performance could very well be predominantly behind the cowl and everything. Yeah. So, yeah. So if you don't like his stupid face, you know, you don't have to look at it. Yeah, apparently, yeah, apparently people hate Ben Affleck. I, I didn't realize that. I, I didn't. Were the Oscars boycotted or something? And I missed yeah, it. Yeah, right. Like, <laughs> like it's just like I just it felt like everyone liked him. Like everyone was like, "Yeah, no, Argo was a really great movie." Like, "Hey, Ben Affleck," and then it's just like, "Ben Affleck is Batman. I'm gonna fucking kill somebody." <laughs> Calm down. <laughs> so yeah, so just just weird. Is that enough on Batman? I think that's enough on Batman. Okay. Let's, uh, I somehow closed the window where we had all our Gamescom stuff up, so I'm going to find that again. Yeah, okay. Like I, yeah, we can start. Yeah, vamp for me. Okay, so yeah, Gamescom. This is supposedly the main topic for this podcast. It, it happened last, last week. week. Yeah, just very recently ended, I think their, their press conference, the Sony press conference and the EA press conference are on Tuesday. And it's a, for those who are not in the know... Gamescom, like, very recently started to become, like, in the last couple of years, has gotten a lot bigger as, like, a video game trade show where all the big players come out and show what all their hot stuff is. I don't mean that in, like, some weird sexual way. I don't know. That came off really weird. But, uh, <laughs> but it's, it's in a sort of, like, you know, it's kind of like another, like, smaller E3 that happens in Germany. So it's, like, another smaller E3, but everyone's really drunk. And so with Gamescom, uh, this year, you know, I was really excited for it because we, like, you know, this fucking new consoles seven years in the making we're finally getting it out there and Sony like announced that they were going to have a like live stream press conference like like their February reveal and like their E3 press conference and so I watched that EA had one like before the Sony one that was I watched a bit of but they didn't like there wasn't a whole lot there it was a whole lot of like yeah where EA is making all the EA sports games and there's some FIFA stuff and here's a trailer for Battlefield 4 that was an interesting and Microsoft, I believe, was originally slated to have to live stream a press conference, but then eventually like backed out of that because their big news for Gamescom was going to be their whole indies will, within the first year of the Xbox One launching, be able to self-publish on the Xbox One, which previously that had not been the case. And but that got that story got leaked by Game Informer like a month out from Gamescom, so they were like, "Well, we don't have anything really big to show anymore." So Microsoft did have, like, a private event that, like, there was some stuff that came out of that. And I guess I'll just, like, really quickly talk about what came out. Is that I think the, the, the biggest and most interesting thing was that uh, in... I believe this is only in certain places in Europe, which is interesting because the X, we don't even know. Like, the Xbox One is launching, I think, in, like, 13 countries. So it's, yeah. it's had a really dialed-back launch because of, like, I think probably because of all the policies being reverted is, like, hit the number of units they can produce. But in Europe, when the Xbox One launches in those countries, uh, if you pre-order the Xbox One, you will get a copy of FIFA 14 for free. And then also, and Microsoft has, like, the usual round of, like, we get the this exclusive, like, DLC, like, a month earlier for FIFA and, like, Call of Duty. And for FIFA, I think it's, like, 
some players or something for some like historic like all team all star team mode or something. I don't, I don't fucking. I will say though, for targeting Europe, football. that is the smartest decision yeah. Microsoft has made with the Xbox One so far. Yeah, but the dumbest thing about it is that. Buying the PS4 and a copy of FIFA 14 is still $40 or 40 euros or whatever short cheaper, cheaper right. than buying Xbox, pre-ordering an Xbox One and getting a copy of FIFA 14 for free. And you will almost assuredly yeah. be getting the PS4 in Europe sooner than you will be the Xbox One. Yeah, yeah, unless... the PS4 is having a much wider launch. And, like, uh, and you know, say, like, Europe is already much more on Sony's side. Like, it's not, like, a clear, like... It's kind of like, you know... the. The United States generally is more Xbox, but it's not like the Xbox has like the biggest market share. Like it's not like Nintendo versus Sega, you know. They, and in Europe, it's Sony. It's sort of like flip, where Sony has larger market share, but it's not like a wild runaway like you know where the Xbox doesn't sell like five units in Japan. Right. But yeah, like but from just like anecdotal stuff on the internet, it seems like that's not swaying a whole lot of people. Because again, because it's like you know. I'm not the only one to realize you can buy the PS4 and FIFA 14 for still cheaper than you can get an Xbox One and FIFA right. 14 for free. So it's like, it's a nicer deal, but but it's only, the only thing that impacts is the financial aspect of you wanting to buy an Xbox One, and it doesn't impact it enough to offset the, the cheaper price of the PS4. So it's ultimately completely pointless for any rational human being. Like, right. the, the only thing that would really matter... And, like, for that purchasing decision would be, like, if you're really interested interested in the exclusive, temporarily exclusive content or something like that. Right. Yeah, so, yeah, like, Microsoft came out and said that, and they, they said, like, what their, like, Call of Duty exclusive DLC, temporary DLC or whatever is. And then the other thing is there's going to be a Connect-only fighting game made by Ubisoft called The Fighter Within, which I saw some demos of, and it looks... It does look like the Connect 2 is a lot better in terms of, like, it doesn't look... It, there still is clearly some lag, because there's always going to be, but it's not like you can't play it like the Connect 1 was, just by looking at the demos. But it still looks just like, you know, standing there and flailing your arms to control the character on screen. Like, you know, it just reminds me of, like, when the Wii came out. And when the Wii came out, it was like, oh, that's kind of interesting, and now it's just like, I don't... I don't want to do that. Like, I don't want to exercise. I'll get yeah. a treadmill. Yeah, it was just like a lot of of like just videos of where you know they would cut in between like what's going on on screen and then cutting to like the people playing it with the connect and it's literally just like them like punching really really fast in front of them and that's it. It's like that's kind of pointless because you know in your head when you're thinking about this like motion controlled fighting game. Like, dude, just go to, like, learn karate or something. Like, go to an actual, like, martial arts dojo or learn boxing and spar with somebody. Because what the experience you're trying to get is, like, having actual physical contact. Like, having it be motion-controlled, I think, is really pointless. Because it's, like, without the feedback of punching a motherfucker in the face, you don't get, like, the, the, like, carnal thrill of being in a fight with someone. You know, like, you don't... It's pointless. Like it's you know, like it's it's like playing light gun games at some points. Like yeah, this is kind of cool, but it's not like this is this is still way worse than just playing a first person shooter on a controller because the control I'm given is so really limited. Like I can't move. I can play House of the Dead for like five minutes. I can play Halo forever. It's sort of the same thing. Fighter Within probably will be kind of fun. I'll stick with fucking like Persona Four Arena or Street Fighter. So right, you right. know. But they're given. This is the... I think this is literally the only Kinect game that has been announced for the Xbox One. Other than Kinect Sports Super Adventure or whatever the fuck like their Kinect Sports sequel is for the Xbox One. 
which has not been shown. I've not seen that anywhere. I just know that title exists. So, hey, they're making a Connect title. Yeah. And then... I think the other, like, this is another kind of interesting thing that Microsoft came out with was, you know, Killer Instinct, the, the fighting game franchise that pe- apparently people give a shit about that I had no idea anyone cared about Killer Instinct. They're, that's making a return on the Xbox One as a downloadable title, and they've revealed what their pricing model is going to be for that, because they previously said it was going to be free-to-play, and it seems like if you download, you can get Killer Instinct for free, you know, you can download it, and you get one character... Or you can, and then you can buy other characters for five dollars a pop, which seems kind of expensive. To like, I think there's eight characters, and then there's going to be two other characters later added on for ten total. Or it's like you can buy a twenty dollar pack that gives you all the characters, or like a forty dollar pack that gives you all the characters, and then like all the additional DLC. So that's kind of like looks like to me a terrible way to do free to play. Like I don't know why you even have this whole you could like you have this demo that then buys every single you can buy every character separately it's like who wants you know who's going to play like buy a version of street fighter and just have like ryu and then pay five bucks to get chun Li. you know you don't that's fucking point especially if you only have like eight or ten characters i don't know who's going to buy like one character everyone's just going to buy the 20 dollar pack but right yeah oh well we heard about that. That was like that's yeah. that's literally off the top of my head. The only things I can think of, other than there's like a small like indies like we're appealing to indies like like developers giveaway thing, but that's kind of pointless news. Yeah. So here's my question though. So we're talking, that was yeah. all Microsoft stuff, right? Yes. Here's the question: Is is Sony took this chance to do another big press conference? Yes, at yes, like hour over right. hour long, and they're going to do another big one at the Tokyo Game Show soon. Yes, yes, because it's fucking Sony, right? And Sony studio. So where Company. is Microsoft going to get another word in? I don't know, and that's one of the weirdest things is that I was really expecting... Like, well, after they said that they canceled their live stream thing, I, I didn't think they were going to do this anymore. But initially, I think everyone assumed that, like, we knew Sony was going to do something, like, announce their release plans at Gamescom, because they said as much beforehand. And I think everyone just assumed Microsoft would as well, because there's not anything else, really. Like, like you said, there's TGS, but my, like... Xbox has never had any sort of real foothold in Japan, no. Like, every effort they've made where, like, that weird, like, like 2008 or whatever it is that with the Xbox 360, they just, like, paid a bunch of Japanese developers a shit ton of money to, like, make Blue Dragon and, like, The Last Story or whatever, like, all these JRPGs and make them for the 360, and no one gave a shit. I've just, like, I've heard The Last Story's a good game. But other than that, like, no one fucking cared. And so, yeah, I don't know... I don't know when, like, where Microsoft is going to announce, oh, we're coming out, like, November 5th or something. Like, whenever the fuck their release date is going to be. Right. So, yeah. It, it's, it, seems, it seems weird that they... Especially because, you know, previously Sony had said, we're going to be holiday. Which is just, like, that seems like it was more like, okay, like, they're giving themselves a broad window... It, and but Microsoft was like, we're going to launch in November, so it's like you just like gave you this feeling that like Microsoft's probably going to announce first because it seems like they have a more specifically a, a date they are trying to more or less aim for. Whereas Sony is kind of like more open. Like there were a lot of rumors they were going to be late October before they actually revealed they're going to be mid November. And yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It, and the thing that baffles me most is it seems like if you're Microsoft, you want to do another conference to try to reunify your message. Yeah, exactly. Because they've gotten so split up and they've their messaging has been so mixed and they've reversed so many things. I think they want to make another strong showing and say, this is who we are now. Let's start off on the right foot again. Yeah, that's, that's a really good point because the last like big singular thing like where like they came out and really talked about the Xbox One 
was at E3. And if you went back and watched the E3 press conference, that it's almost a different console now. Like, there's so much about that is different. That it's like, yeah, they do really need to come out and, like, like individual small press releases saying, oh, you don't need to have the Kinect plugged in. And it's like, oh, there's no online DRM past, like, a day one activation thing. It's like, it's useful to have that information, but I don't think that information has any penetration into the larger market. No, because, uh, you know, an E3 conference or a Gamescom conference, those go on CNN, New York Times. Yeah, those, yeah. Are, those are big news. And so people who might be more casual might be inclined to buy your console. They'll see that then. And if all they saw, if the last thing they read was E3, Microsoft doesn't let you play used games and stuff. Yeah. If that, you know, if they were watch Jimmy Fallon or something, that's the last word they heard. And yeah. they haven't heard anything since from you, but they probably just heard a lot more about Sony this week from Gamescom. Yeah. So... It's very strange. I don't quite understand their strategy of skipping this one out. I wonder if they're going to call another conference like they had in May. Yeah, like if they're, yeah, yeah. If they're going to do a like just their own thing. Like that's I mean that's 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 what makes the most sense at this point. But it does seem right. just kind of like weird to to make your own event again. That's it's that's Nintendo- yeah, like like it's you know you made your own event to announce the console. That makes sense. Making your own event to announce when the console is going to come out. That seems kind of weird and almost egotistical at some point. Right, and it's, you know, Apple can pull that off because they're Apple. Yeah. But, and, and still, they don't usually do the thing where they announce the product and then do another conference to announce yeah. the release date. Um, but, you know, Apple can do that because they're Apple and they can make headlines. But in gaming, you know, the equivalent of that, of over and over kind of calling your own events is Nintendo Direct, and that has not worked out particularly well. Yeah, yeah Nintendo Directs are like really small, tiny little... Well, because they keep getting here's smaller because you yeah, keep narrowing the, the audience, you know? Yeah. So... You would think they would want to piggyback on a bigger conference. Yeah. But who knows? Um, we'll talk more about that when we get to like the PS4 release date and whatnot. Yeah. yeah. But let's talk Sony's conference. Okay. Um, we both watched the whole thing. Um, good conference, bad conference. I, I thought the conference was really good. The like the, the the how they shot it at the live stream was awful. Oh, because I can't. It was terrible. Yeah. It was. It was. I mean, and there was there was a, quite a lot of this at E3 too. And, like this has become a lot more common with these trade shows where it's like. You know, you have like the big screen that's playing the trailer or the demo or whatever, and it's like you get you you. It's like okay, we're just getting the direct feed on the live stream from the screen, so it's like okay, good. And then all of a sudden, it's like you get this like jib shot or whatever, like panning out across the audience. So it's like oh great, like this really awesome trailer is playing for something I'm interested in, and I get to watch people watching the trailer. Fantastic! Oh, there's text on that screen, but it's but your camera is so far away, I can't even read the release date for this indie game. Thank you. I was really interested in Rhyme. I don't know when it's coming out. I'm going to have to wait to look it up on the internet. Yeah, I don't... And this, honestly, it felt like more of those trailers were shot from outside than from yeah, the Yeah, exactly. It, it was just so frustrating because it would keep on going back and forth. Like, usually, how... Like, traditionally, how it's worked is, like, when the trailer starts, you're on your jib shot or whatever, and then eventually it fades in, and you just get the whole trailer. If it's a really long demo, then it'll kind of cut back and forth. But we're watching, like, two-minute or one-minute long, like, teaser trailers that, like, like every fucking ten seconds, it would switch between direct feed to, like, an outside shot on the camera. Yeah, and so I, I agree. I thought it was a really good conference. I enjoyed watching it, but I also did not enjoy watching it because the shooting was so yeah. bad. There were even stuff like they did a... They, what the... There's an ad playing on our... Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Okay. Everything is breaking down. Shut down the podcast. It's over. All right, I'm going to mute my computer. That's, we should have done that from the start. Yes. I'm not going to edit this out because, you know, sometimes behind-the-scenes stuff like this can be fun. Yeah, and maybe we get some money. Who knows? 
Yeah, from Revlon. <laughs> yeah. Alright, I was... Sorry, I had a live blog for all this up uh, so we could recount some of the news and there was an ad and... Yeah. Anyways, well, you were, you were saying something about how the live stream was shot. They did literal Kill Bill-style zooms in yeah, on people. There was, yeah, exactly. I thought that was what you were going to mention. There was one part early on where, like, this one, like, the dude who kind of opened the conference came out. And, yeah, it, it looked like they cut to a camera too early, and the dude was trying to, like, zoom in and focus. And so you got, like, this really, like, zoomed-in close-up and kind of shuck around and, like, refocused and zoomed back out. And it was like... What the fuck was that? It was like this really bizarre five second shot that has made a fantastic gif on the internet. I love like, I love when that got posted. I just like watched that over and over again because it's just this is like a professional, you know, fucking event that you're you're live streaming on the internet. We expect something a little bit better than like cutting to a camera so early that the dude hasn't like figured out his shot yet. Yeah, but yeah. So yeah, that that aspect of the conference. Wasn't fantastic, but like fucking whatever. Like that's that's not what you're there for. Is to appreciate the cinematography. Yeah. And so yeah, the the actual conference. I think I think it had a fucking awesome start. I think it may be the best beginning to any of these conferences I've ever seen. Where it was just uh, Shuhei Yoshida. Yeah, fucking Shuhei Yoshida. Like I think the president of of some branch of Sony. Like, I think it's the games division sitting. Like on this, like with his back to the stage, and like this big kind of like lounge armchair that looked like you know like like leather and stuff. It and almost like looked like he didn't even know he was on stage. Yeah, exactly. Like like, like he was just like sitting. It looked like he should like there should have been like a little table next to him with like a glass of whiskey and like he should have had a pipe. Like it was like the classiest chair, like sitting there with his legs folded with a fucking DualShock Four in his hands, and then like you see on the screen, he's just like it's the startup process for the PS4. Like we see a bit of the OS. He goes into a live stream. For a multiplayer game of Killzone Shadowfall that, like, I think the, uh, the Guerrilla Games people, like, later tweeted that, like, yes, that was actually going on. Like, that was a real live multiplayer match. And he was watching the live stream, and then he joined the match. And this is, like, kind of the, the coolest, like, I, I will back up and talk a little bit about what I saw about the OS. But, like, this is the coolest part of this whole section was he was just watching the live stream. And then on the live stream, it was, like you can join the game. And he was like, okay, join game. And it just like went to black screen. There was like a little loading thing in the middle of the screen and it took like five or six seconds and there may be some like little trickery going on here. But like all of a sudden he was dropped into a match and he was just standing there and kills in Shadowfall with a fucking submachine gun in his hand and start playing the game. And like, and there may be a little trickery in how fast that was in terms of like, we didn't see him pick like a class or anything. Like, I don't know if maybe that was something Gorilla didn't want anyone to see that screen or something. I don't know, but like, which would be fair, yeah. But like, they and like, I hope they didn't skip this because the coolest part of it all was that it didn't like do the thing that every fucking video game does nowadays when you boot up a game. Is it's like, oh, okay, this used the Havoc Physics Engine logo, and this was made by EA logo, and it was developed by People Can Fly logo, and it uses. Natural motion euphoria, fucking logo, and like logo, 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 lo- like look at like the twenty pieces of middleware this developer used on this fucking game. Thank you, this is fantastic. Let me play it. Like every fucking video game has like a minute worth of logos when you start up. It's just like if you can fucking just jump into a multiplayer match with, and like skip all that bullshit, that would be fucking awesome. I don't know if that's the case. Like maybe then like maybe like the game was in some sort of like resumed like safe state. Like they've said, you know, like kind of like the pause or whatever on like a Vita. Like maybe it was like kind of like that and so maybe we don't get to just skip all the middleware logos but 
I hope we do, because it's that's so fucking annoying nowadays. There's so much of that shit. I agree, but yeah, that whole OS process was pretty cool. That looks like a really intuitive, fast, yeah. fluid OS. It, it honestly looks like like the, you know because it still has a lot of the cross media bar thing, which is the current PS3 OS. It has a lot of that, but it looks like they kind of looked at the better parts of like the original NXE, the next Xbox experience before we got like this Metro user interface. It's like they kind of looks like they merged the best part of those two styles of user interfaces just by looking at it. Right, because I, you know, I was, uh, I'm, I'm a bigger fan of the cross-media bar in the current generation, but I also liked a lot of the NXE an awful yeah, lot. And I definitely think that's, that you're right, those, those seem like the two design philosophies behind it and melded. They just looked really fluid and easy to use and, and fun yeah. to use. And, and I just liked that they started the conference that way, which is kind of showing off like, yeah, we yeah. made a pretty good OS. We're proud of it. Yeah, and there's like, there's just a lot of little details about like, you know, I liked... You know, you have like that, like they kind of loaded up, and it almost looked like the sort of like the main screen was set. That it was almost, you know, if you have your iPhone and you press like the home button twice, and it brings up like your most recently used apps in like order of like when they were last used. It almost looked like that was the home screen for the PS4, where it had like Killing Shadowfall and Into the Second Sun and like the order and like whatever, like the games they had just sort of like on there. And like that order, and it looked like at the very end of it was like a, an icon that would you'd go to to like just access your whole library. It's like that seems like that's a really smart, intuitive way to sort of design the user interface that like you can jump into the games. You have like the single player game you're playing, and like the multiplayer game you all start playing like on and off. Like you could you have all those like the apps you use the most like right there at your fingertips because it's like the things you use the most. But then if you want to like go back into your library, you can just scroll all the way to the right really quickly and grab whatever thing you want to get out of like a list just like a hopefully a well-organized list of all the things you have downloaded on the box right i really like that i'm, I'm actually going through kind of a philosophical conundrum right now of whether yeah. or not i'm going to buy games physically or not on yeah PS4. I, I, I am having that issue as well because i really like on the vita that i don't have any physical media for it because it's such a nice clean interface for getting all your vita stuff down yeah um and the one downside obviously is that the vita has limited memory space but the, there's a nice solution for that where i put everything on the ps3 back it up there because i've got a big hard drive in that yeah but and obviously the ps4 will ship with a big hard drive and you can make it bigger so definitely i think if if it's integrated really well with the os that would be what i would lean to and and i yeah. like and they've also you know we've heard before they've got those things where while you're downloading you can play the game yeah yeah so yeah my only worry about not buying boxed games is that day one i feel like the servers are going to be taxed and if yeah, i want to play like killzone shadowfall day one it might take a while to download yeah and then i also i just like having a physical i do too i do like i like having a display of like of like right. of that stuff so yeah it's it is it's it's a, it's a hard question to have, but I like that we have the question. Like, right. I'm super happy that, yes, like, I have this internal debate over whether or not I want to have the the, the ease of use advantages of purchasing digital titles or, like, the, the reliability of having physical media. Like, thank fucking God we are still in this world where we can have that argument with ourselves. Best of both worlds. Yeah. We get both of them, and yeah. And, and, on, and honestly, it's good to have both because sometimes you want to go buy your game because it's got a cool cover art or something you want to put yeah. that on your shelf. And sometimes you're like, hey, man, Game X, I really just thought I wanted to play it and I should do it. And you can go sit on, there on your couch and download it and yeah. play it immediately. So both are good. Yeah. But anyway. But then that section of the conference ended with, again, Shuhei Yoshida being a fucking boss where he just like loads up like while he's playing it looked like a, like a Twitter app or whatever. Or like I think he takes a screenshot and then like on the screenshot... He tweets out the screen screenshot with like the phrase "Let's start the show," which he like clearly typed in using the uh, touchpad on the DualShock Four that looked like it was really responsive, which looked really nice. It was like, 
fucking yeah. That's a it's just a cool, classy fucking way to start off your press conference. Just like no bullshit. Here is the goddamn OS of the game. Like you can just here you go. This is how you. This is now you get into the live stream and you can just jump into a goddamn multiplayer match and you can take a screenshot and tweet it all out while you're playing the fucking game if you want to just spam your friends with pictures of like Killzone Shadowfall, which looks fucking beautiful. Like that game looks so good. That's definitely going to be one of a day, day one purchases. Yeah, for me, yeah. Just like I think that's probably going to be uh, the first game I play on the PS4 because it's like I was thinking about this because I have the Watch Dogs PS4 bundle pre-ordered because it was like that was the one that I could get day one. But I was like, it feels weird that like you buy a console and the first game on that console should be a first party title. I don't know. Right. Like there's, I have like this like Sonic the Hedgehog, fucking Super Mario sixty four, Halo, and then fucking with Xbox three hundred and sixty. I don't even remember. I get Perfect Dark Zero. It wasn't the first game I bought, but it was the first game I played. It's just first party titles should be the first fucking thing you play on your new console. So. Yeah. Kills on Shadowfall will probably be the first thing I play because I have weird idiosyncrasies about that kind of shit. Also, Watch Dogs is not coming out day one if I won. Well, is it? It'll be interesting to see because, you know, the Watch Dogs launches... Because the PS4 comes out on a Friday. Watch Dogs comes out on the following Tuesday. So it's like a four-day difference. So it's I think it's totally feasible that they might release Watch Dogs on the PS4 when the PS4 launches. Because there are launch bundles that say they're coming out day one with Watch Dogs. So. Yes, like mine is. Right. I forgot because so, I got just a it, no it, bundle it, one. And it's interesting because like Watch Dogs on Amazon and I like every other like online retailer I've checked, it has like it has not like confirmed that the PS4 version comes out on November fifteenth. Like it just says what like November twenty second or whatever, not twenty second. Nineteenth. Nineteenth. That's what this release date is. And so, like, I don't know, like, nobody has officially said that, and it's awkward because they've said for a long time Watch Dogs is a launch PS4 title, but it's like, the, and the launch date's just, just before, but it seems close enough that I'm willing to bet it'll probably just come out. Because, like, why wait for the fucking dude? Like, all the copies will have been made and in the stores at that point. Right, and they would have to do something about all the launch bundles they sold, because exactly. Amazon wasn't the only one, I presume you ordered from Amazon. Yes, yes, I did. But I also know Best Buy had bundles like yeah. that. So, yeah. And they can't just... They can't rip you off. You yeah. promised day one. Well, I mean, yeah. They could send Watch Dogs separately on Tuesday, I guess. Yeah. Which wouldn't be bad. It would just be kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. So, uh, anyway. So, yeah. But after that opening with, you know, Yoshida and the PS4 interface, yeah. they went back and did some PS3 and Vita stuff. Yes. And I really liked this part of the conference. Yeah, there I was liked... a lot of healthy focus on the Vita that I was really... Yeah. I liked. I was like, yes, let's talk about the Vita. And, and let's get into that in a second, because I like how they've kind of... Embraced what the Vita has become, which yeah. is this great indie game machine. Yeah, we'll get into that in a second. They for PS3, their big things where they talked about Gran Turismo Six. Yes, uh, which looks like it's a good racing game um, that's coming out in December. So, I mean, they were very clear that if you've got a PS3 and you don't have the money, you don't want to upgrade to a PS4, you're not being left in the dust. There's yeah. good stuff coming out. There's that. There's the Little Big Planet Hub. They spent a good I chunk of time about on. That. Yeah, yeah, it was a Stephen Fry narration kind of yeah, thing, which yeah. is in the other Little Big Planet games. But it's this free to play. Um, basically, hub online world. Yeah. It's like Little Big Planet, all the like creation tools without the actual game part of it. Yeah, I guess that's, that's what it. Yeah, like they didn't go into detail with it, but yeah, that's what it seemed like. Yep. Uh, then they talked a little bit about how GTA Five it's going to have um, you know a PS3 bundle. Yeah, that, they talked about that stuff at E3. Right. So, yeah. So all that all that GTA Five stuff, and then they, the big thing was PS3 price drop down to one hundred ninety nine dollars yeah. US, one hundred ninety nine yeah, euros, like a twelve gigabyte flash version of the PS3. Right. It's like. If you don't have a PS3, I technically don't own one, but at this point, there's almost no point to get one. But yeah, like it seems like, sure, go ahead. 
get that. Yeah, one ninety nine. There's there's tons of good games. Yeah. So and I'm pretty sure those come with like Uncharted three or something like that. So. Right. So yeah, they lots of lots of great games. Get a PlayStation Plus subscription. You'll have all you can ever play. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, then we we got into the Vita stuff, and really it was again it was just uh, they talked. They did, first I guess they had the announcement that Borderlands two will be on Vita. Yeah, that, that seemed really interesting. Like I wasn't I wasn't expecting that. Like. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Borderlands 2 was a good game. Yeah, I've not played it, but I might play it on my Vita. That could be fun. Um, but then, really, it was a lot of indie stuff. There yeah. are a lot of indie titles coming out for the Vita. And I, I don't have a full list here, but it was a lot of... And, and many of these are coming out for the PS3 also, and there'll be cross-play. Yeah. But mostly and then, was, then a lot of them will probably also end up being on the PS4, I would imagine. Right. But that was pretty cool. I don't know. What, what exact titles? Do you remember any of them? Uh, like, I think the, the, like the big new title that is like, this is going to be uh, on the Vita only because it seems like it makes use of the uh, touch interface and stuff is Morisaki Baby. Which is like, that trailer was fucking awesome because it was like 2D, sort of like hand-drawn style. Like this really like weird, grotesque, like gothic universe where it's like you have like the Murasaki babies like it's like five year old looking girl monster where like head's kind of upside down like she's got on her forehead is a mouth and she's like carrying a balloon and it looks like you like guide her along using the touch interface it just looked like a really cool weird stylish game that's like that's only going to be available on the Vita right and other than that like there is a I think his name's Thomas Bissell the uh, dude who made Thomas was alone which is a really good indie platformer his new game uh, volume is going to be out on the Vita and the PS3 and probably the PS4. They, they like confirmed that. Uh, and there was just like a lot of like Fez, which has been like this like on everything. Like it's it's a lot of games that are just like this is a really big popular indie game, and there's going to be a PS Vita version of it, which is like yes, yeah. good, thank you, please, because a lot of those indie games tend to be like smaller 2D titles, which are the those are the kind of games I prefer to have on a handheld device because it's like if I'm you know waiting in between my classes or something and I want to play a game I like just having like a simple 2D style game and so many indie games harken back to that style of video gaming that's like yes yeah. they're perfect mobile titles yeah so they did a good job just pitching the Vita as something where you know if, if you buy it it's got a lot of support with, with smaller games um, yeah. but very good games um, you know, I was a little surprised they didn't push anything that they didn't have like a big first party title to announce for the Vita. Yeah, I th- they've hinted that there is something in the works that they haven't announced yet. But like to me, at this point, like I don't, I don't even know if I really want one. Almost like, like yeah. I like the V, like you know, because the, the thing with the Vita is that it's more. It's not like you. It has like a bunch of great exclusives to me. It's more like this is a device that just lets me play these other games that I'm interested in. But allows me to play them on the go, which is which is something that is that is a an advantage in and of itself that like I'm very interested in. Right. I I think yeah I think the Vita has kind of found its niche and hopefully they can expand on that. Yeah. And you know definitely there was a lot of stuff throughout the PS4 part of the conference which we'll get into in a minute that suggested that the Vita is so important not just for the the you know remote play stuff but that a lot of most pretty much any indie game that's coming out for the PS4 you'll be able to get day and date on your Vita yeah. too. So it will be a really nice companion for this PS4 era. Yeah. And that's cool. And the Vita is also getting a price drop. It's one ninety nine. Yeah. Same thing as the PS3. Uh, all the memory cards got a price drop. Not nearly low enough, but you yeah. know, they're, it's, they're better. It's a start. Yeah. yeah. Um, so if you don't have a Vita, fucking buy one. Get Persona 4 Golden. Yes. Get some indie games. You know. Somewhere in here they announced Hotline Miami 2 is going to be an exclusive on yeah, the Vita yeah, and PS4. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. 
Yeah, Hotline Miami is a great fucking game. So I have I'm not, I have not played it yet. I'm... Like I played on, like I'm curious to play that on like something that's not PC because like it really, it is a really fast paced game, and I'm, I'm like curious just to see like just how you control that game is so important. It's not necessarily like you need to have a mouse and keyboard because it is like it's not like a first person shooter or something, but it's like I almost kind of want to buy because I know Hotline Miami I think is already available on the Vita. Yeah, it's, it's a like, cross buy. Yeah, I, I might just end up buying that game again, just like because I want to play it again. But like, just to like see what that's like with a different control interface. Probably just going to completely change that game. But right. Luckily, the Vita has a really good D pad. Yeah. So all right, so let's move on. So then we got into PS4. Mark Cerny comes out to kick off that yeah. part of the car- conference. Always nice to hear from Mark Cerny. Yep, smart guy. Um, let's see. I don't know. This this live blog I'm on is not hugely informative, but. Basically, I think Mark Cerny kicked off another part of talking about indie games. He, he talked yeah. about a lot of stuff that's coming. I mean, to most of the focus of the console in general, or the, of the, the uh, conference in general, was here are all these indie games that's like are going to be like like all these were like seemed like they were going to be temporary console exclusives. You know, like right. now that the Xbox One has self publishing, eventually these games will make their way over there. But if you want these games first on a console. You'd have to get a PS4. Yeah, so they had games like um, Everybody's Gone to the Rapture and Rhyme. Yeah. Which and Rhyme looked really interesting. Like Rhyme the, looked the, cool. The visual style of it was really striking. Yeah. It sort of had a, it had a very like Team Eco, like Shadow of the Colossus, but like mixed with Wind Waker sort of visual style that looked cool. Yep. Um, so yeah, and, and, and all of them looked pretty neat. There was definitely a lot of stuff where it was like... I kind of like the idea that with my PS4 I'll be able to buy some really great AAA titles and stuff. But then in between, I'll just maybe every week there'll be a nice ten dollars title yeah, to buy, exactly. and just not big financial expenditures, but really good experiences. And then also those like just seem like they are really good games for PlayStation Plus, where it's just like yeah, if you have this, it seems like the PlayStation the PS4 is going to be able to gather such a large library of such diverse titles so quickly that PlayStation Plus on PS4 is I think going to get its foothold a lot quicker than you would imagine a new console would be able to do. It's like, because, you know, most consoles, they launch, and it's like, oh, we've got, like, our 15 or so launch titles, and then, you know, like with the Wii U, you go for months without having anything new. And and new titles on new consoles tend to be very sparse, whereas with the, the PS4, it's not like they have, like, a massive launch library. Like, they only have announced three launch exclusives, and with the addition of like a a shooter that they announced here, like a uh, like uh, to an analog stick shooter, like they've only got a handful of exclusives and launch titles. But like over the course, especially once you get into twenty fourteen, it just looks there's going to be like a hundred games on that fucking system by the end of the year, which is crazy. Yeah, and I forget what's the indie game that's coming at launch free on PlayStation Plus. Like that that was the one that I was talking about where it's I can't remember what it is. It's made by what is named. It's made by the guys who made Super Stardust HD, which is on the Vita and the PS3, which is a really great Geometry War style twin stick shooter game. Yeah, and it looks really good and it feels yeah. like just day one we'll have a really fun indie game to play. Yeah, yeah. It's like for free. Yeah, it's like if when the Xbox three sixty launched, they're just like, here's Geometry Wars. Just take it. Yeah. So but yeah. There's that Resogun. Yeah, Resogun, that's it. Yeah, Resogun looks really good, and that's coming out day one, free with PlayStation Plus, and, and Drive Club, PlayStation Plus Edition, which is a sort of stripped-down version of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, it seems day. like it's like Drive Club with like a handful of cars and a handful of tracks, I think yeah. is what they said. 
Uh, and then I, this was outside of the conference, but in, in uh, while well, we're talking about that, they said they clarified a little bit that you will be able to from the PlayStation Plus version upgrade to the yeah. full version. And I don't know if that means you have to pay the full sixty bucks. I I would highly suspect that's not the case. Like right. I would I would imagine it's probably going to be like maybe forty bucks or something. Right. Which I really want to play Drive Club, and you know I'll I'll wait and first play the PlayStation Plus edition. Yeah. But if it's good, I'll totally upgrade to yeah. full. That sounds like a fun game. Yeah, I'm totally down for some team based racing. Oh, absolutely. Um, let's see. So then they got into some of the big stuff. They well, they first they talked about the playroom, which was sort of an interesting trailer. It felt like kind of a remnant of it's, the yeah. era when they would have had the PlayStation Eye bundled in because it makes use of that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's the the playroom is going to be downloaded on every single PlayStation Four, and it, it's a tech demo that they actually showed like in the gadget and wired. Some people like had videos of it at E three. That's that's yeah. It's I don't know if like it's. Everything in the playroom makes is like only for the PlayStation 4i or not, but it's yeah, it's just like sort of a tech demo of like showing you here's all the stuff you can do, like just fun, weird, like you can play with these robots and like kick them and stuff, and the camera will detect your movement and stuff. It's like, hey, that's cool. I I don't know, like, if I'll ever make any use of it, but they're just giving it to you, so why complain? Yep. Um, Then they got into some of the big titles, Little Infamous, Little Killzone. Little Big Planet, uh, Little Big, yeah, no Little Big Planet. Yeah, we already did that. But yeah, they yeah, did but some. The, 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 I did want to talk about the infamous Second Son stuff really quick because that was an awesome trailer. And then like the day after, it was really good. Yeah, the day after that trailer, they like uh, what's the studio Insomniac? They they uh, released a or no Sucker Punch is the studio. They released a like sort of like a bungee style Vidoc thing of just like all the which is funny because. One of the guys, Jamie Greesimer, who was in the the Sucker Punch, like, infamous Vidoc, was a lead designer at Bungie on Halo 2 and Halo 3, and I recognized him because I watched all the Halo 3 Vidocs, so I was like, holy shit, that's the fucking Bungie dude, and now he's over at Sucker Punch, and they, like, were just talking about sort of using the controller and stuff like that, and the, the neon powers, and it's just like, Infamous Second Son looks so fucking cool. That trailer just showing uh, the Fletch, who... Voiced by Risa herself, Laura Bailey. Yay! Yeah, nice touch. She, you know, the the, the main character, Troy Baker, Kanji, goes in. Yay! Kind of beats I her up. I didn't know he was in that, too! Yeah, no, oh, that's he's Troy in Baker. everything! Yeah, no, it's, it is the age of Troy Baker. Like, Nolan North has sort of taken the back seat. He's like, I'm, I'm handing off my torch to this young, new voice actor. I think they're actually, I think they're pretty much the they're same They're both in age. their 30s, yeah. yeah. But... Yeah, it's the age of he's the fucking Joker. He's, he's the main character in Into Second Son. But yeah, he, he beats up Laura Bailey and takes her, her uh, neon powers. Then it's just like, there's this amazing gif from the, the dev diary thing of them showing that, like, the actual thing was actually kind of cool that they were talking about. And this is, I'm glad they did this because this is the first time I've seen anyone talk about a developer making use of the touchpad on the PS4 controller because it was like, it's there, it's cool, I can kind of think of some uses, like, theoretically for it, but I wanted to see what developers are doing for it, and it looks like Sucker Punch is just, like, there's, like, a lot of little touches of just, like, you know, when you go with, like, open up a, like, door that sort of has, like, a fingerprint scan, like, you have to put your fingerprint on the touchpad and stuff like that, and there's just, like, when he was charging his powers up, they just, like, lightly put both their thumbs on the edge of the touchpad, and that was their charge thing, and it was like, oh, that's cool, because that just... It showed, first of all, that it'll be very easy to move from the thumbsticks to the touchpad without, like, then make very simple movements without, like, taking your hand off the controller or something. And then also just, like, will allow you to do stuff that will free up other buttons. 
But anyways, the important part of that was the, what they were showing when he was charging his powers was the main character standing like next to this neon sign that you saw a little bit of this in the trailer where he's pulling in where like at first I thought it was like electricity or something, but it's like he's literally like absorbing the neon light itself and the fucking lighting and particle effects on that was like that's what fucking next gen is. Like just this like all boiled down to this one gif of like it's fucking beautiful. Like like just the pink and blue and green lights just like like coming out of the sign and like sort of flowing around and absorbing into his body. It was just fucking looked so fucking good. It's one of the only things that and the stuff from of Kills on Shadowfall they showed here was like all the like it's not necessarily all just like the 1080p resolution and all the detail and the textures. It seems like it's a lot more about awesome fucking particle effects and lighting effects. And that I am I am 100% behind that because that makes games look really cool. Yeah. Um, I'm excited for that game too and I'm also kind of happy that it's not coming out until February Yeah, because then I have a t- time to play Infamous 1 and 2 which are on PlayStation Plus if you want to get caught up uh, and and if, if all that stuff was coming out day one that would be overwhelming Yeah. yeah. so anyway uh, they're, they've, they've got a lot of good stuff in the pipeline uh, after talking about those games they took a little break to talk about their all their video apps coming they were just kind of assuring yeah. us again we've got everything yeah. don't worry they didn't they're you know. making a Gran Turismo movie yep yep that's Interesting, and then and also this is like another thing that came out is I think it's actually they announced it here right where Ubisoft is making a Watch Dogs movie. Yes, it's just like okay, yeah, whatever. <laughs> it's just like I think it's funny that all these like people are jumping on the video game movie before we've had the good video game movie yet. You know, it just, it, it feels like everyone making like tons and tons of comic book movies before Iron Man happened. It's just right. like. It, should wait like you should just wait a second you know like let's I just don't get it because it's like we're gonna make all this money from the game and then go piss it away on the movie yeah. which is gonna flop because video game movies flop there yeah. are no hit video game movies never have been biggest one is I think Laura Croft 2 yeah and probably by a you know probably made a profit like by a that, small margin Prince of Persia I guess I don't know Prince of Persia was a flop yeah did not make his money back oh now that's that's also a fact that Disney spent like 300 million dollars okay. on it you okay know, but yeah, so in any case, they also talk about their music unlimited service and that you'll be able to play your music while you're playing your games. Yeah, which is nice. Like, that's something the that 360 could do, but, like, right. PS3 couldn't. Yeah. That's, that's just something I expected, but it's like, yeah, okay, it's nice that you confirmed that. Right. Um, if you, uh, when you buy a PS4, you get 14 free days of PlayStation Plus, so everybody gets Resogun for free. Everybody gets, yeah. um, you know, Drive Club for free. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Um, and then we got back to games and stuff, and we had the big Assassin's Creed 4 demo, which was the longest yes. demo of the conference, right? Yes, I believe so. Like, yeah, Ubisoft, when they came out, like, they had... It seems because Ubisoft also has a lot of exclusive content for Watch Dogs and Assassin's Creed. They have 60 minutes of exclusive content, which is, like, a really weird way. It's not like, we've got three missions, or we've got, like, one mission, or an exclusive character. No, we've got 60 minutes of, ex- like, exactly... 60 minutes of exclusive content. Not 59, not 61. 60 fucking minutes of exclusive content. Both for Assassin's Creed 4 and Watch Dogs. So, yeah, there's that sticker on both yeah. of them. That says Which is that. good because, like, I, since I'm already sort of, like, barreling down on the PS4 for my selected console choice, I'm happy that the games I'm most interested in for, like, this bullshit, I hate the stupid, like, temporary exclusive thing, I don't give a shit about Call of Duty, I don't give a shit about FIFA, I do give a lot of shit about Watch Dogs and Assassin's Creed 4, so... It's, it's lining up nicely for me right now. It is, yeah. And those are the two yeah. of the games I'm looking forward to also. So the Assassin's Creed 4 demo was really all about showing 
the seamless switching between the Vita and the PS4. Yeah, that's right. They did and the it, play. Yeah, yeah, worked pretty pretty flawlessly. Yeah. Although their camera work on the Vita was poor. Yeah. Well, it's because there's no video out on the Vita, so it's like right. you have to. You can't just take shot like footage from the screen of the Vita. You have to film the fucking Vita. So right. It's not the most elegant thing in the world. Yeah. So that was a little awkward, but it was still. I mean, the game looks fun. Yeah. Yeah. So. Let's see. And then we had Ubisoft. It showed a Watch Dogs trailer that was fucking amazing. Loved that. Yeah. That was a great trailer. Um, I've actually generally stayed away from watching trailers for these games outside of that, but I've seen the ones that have been shown at conferences. Yeah. And this was a really good one. Yeah. Um, Watch Dogs still looks awesome. Yep. And then there was a kind of a weird announcement. They announced Minecraft was coming to PS4, but it was kind of awkward. It, it, was, a, yeah, it was a really weird announcement because it was just like... It's fucking... I think they started playing some Minecraft music, music and then two dudes wearing creeper heads... Sort of just walked Like they didn't even walk on the stage They just walked in front of the stage And then like exited the other side Like And Minecraft is coming to the PS4 Like here's the logo Okay Yeah Yeah, it'll be there day one I'm surprised they didn't Because it's also coming to the Vita and the PS3 And I feel like if If as expected there would be cross play capabilities and stuff You would want to spend two three minutes on that Mm -hmm. Because honestly that's going to be a bit Like I'm definitely going to buy Minecraft on the PS4 Because that'll be I'm likely I'll just be able to move over to the PS4 And not be able to Not have to leave that game behind um, From the 360 era And I hope it has cross play with the Vita Because that would be so much fun to be You know we were joking about this earlier Sean and I before the podcast I would be at home holding the right trigger And breaking some bricks Then I could come to school And just in class I could just hold down R on my Vita I wouldn't even have to Stop paying attention To the class You'd just be taking Notes with your left hand And just holding down R on the Vita With your right hand This is like I got all the Fucking cobblestone In the world Motherfucker Yep So And I could probably Like reverse the thumbstick So I could hold forward too While I'm doing it It'd be pretty great So Yeah So I'm a little Hassles for days Yeah So I uh, hope that that that's, yeah, that yeah. sounds cool. Uh, that, that's it, it's, I think I thought that was interesting because I had been under the impression that Minecraft was going to just continue to be a Microsoft exclusive thing. Apparently, that is not the case. Like I assumed yeah. that Microsoft gave Mojang just like a giant pile of money and was like, "You're only releasing this on our platform in the PC." And then Mojang was like, "Sure, okay, we'll take the fucking money." And now they're like, "Well." No, we're yeah. going to do it on their platforms too. Well, because Mojang would be crazy not to put yeah. this as, in as many places as possible. Yeah. So Yeah, it's like they're going to put like the fucking Minecraft on the PS4, and all of a sudden they sell like 5 million more copies of Minecraft. Right. I own Minecraft, I'll be buying it again on the PS4, yeah. just so I can have it there. Alright, so let's see what else we got. Um, this is, I guess this is when they announced those price cuts and stuff, and then they came out and announced, this is the last thing was the release date. But there's one other thing that oh, okay. I may have missed where they, this, I thought this was just a weird, interesting detail that Twitch is also going yes. to have a, bring their streaming service to the PS4. Where it's like, and, it, and it's a weird situation because at the February reveal when they talked about all the share stuff, it was all Ustream. And I assume Ustream is still going to be there as an option, but and like, and when Xbox came out, they were like, we've got Twitch. Now it just seems like PS4 has Ustream and Twitch. I, I think. Like, they didn't like they. There were some people who thought that that meant that UStream was not going to be on the console anymore. But since they didn't say that, like and nothing has been said about that, I just assume that it's like they're going to be two separate apps, or maybe there will be like a console side thing of just like I prefer UStream or I prefer Twitch because UStream's really big in Japan. Twitch is a lot bigger over here and in Europe. So, that makes sense, and having yeah. options is always good. If yeah. Twitch was slow one day or something, you'd switch over to Ustream. Yeah, so yeah, I just thought that was just a really interesting announcement because, again, that was like because that came right around the Minecraft thing, where it's just like another thing with that 
I assume, that Microsoft had in the bag. That's like Sony just comes out and is like, no, like we've got Twitch too. Like I don't know. Ex- I mean, Twitch has said that it'll allow you to stream on to tri- Twitch from the console and watch Twitch streams on the console. So it seems like it's got all the functionality you'd want. So yeah. All right. So let's see what else we got to talk about. Uh, the release date. That's yes. the big thing. Um, the release date is you know, blah, 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 November fifteenth. I already said it earlier, but yes, yeah. November fifteenth. And I think it's kind of funny because there's been all the speculation of could it possibly come out in December? Could it possibly yeah. come out in early October? And it was I mean, literally... it, it was never going to come out in December. Like no, no, late no. October was a possibility, but right. like yeah, it was never yeah. going to come out. But there's all the speculation, and then I love that it's literally just right down the middle, yeah. November fifteenth. Yeah, it's like the most sort of like predictable release date they could have yeah. done. But I'm, I, I'm so disappointed it wasn't my birthday. Like, I was, I was really, like, I, all, how everything was aligning. I was just like, the fucking release date's going to be November 23rd, isn't it? God damn it. And then you'll know you're yeah. dead. But no, not this yeah. time. It's November 15th, and I love this release date because it's a Friday. Yeah. So no, I can just get my PS4 and play all weekend. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's perfect. Very convenient. Because I have a really busy schedule during the week right now, and like... You know, like GTA Five, I will not get to play it all day one because yeah. I'm gone all day, and that kind of sucks. But then, you know, if, and I just wish games came out on Friday. That would be the perfect day for games because yeah. you could just get it at like nine in the morning on Friday and play all fucking weekend. Yeah, be awesome. But yeah, but PS4 is coming out on Friday, so it's nice, you know, good weekend to just hang mm-hmm. out and play PS4. It's going to be fun. Yeah, and it's really close to the Thanksgiving holiday area, so it's like yes, yes. That's sadly more time to play some PS4 for me. Yep, although sadly we're going out of town that week. I may <laughs> I may take my PS4 with me and just plug it into whatever TV yeah. we have. <laughs> Might have to do that. But in any case, yeah. So pretty pretty cool. And yeah. now we know we have to get get four hundred you know, scrape four hundred dollars yeah. together by November fifteenth. Uh, like four hundred and sixty or like five hundred and twenty dollars, like depending yeah. on how many games or like if you want to get extra controllers. Right. And consoles are expensive for reasons more than just the console itself is expensive. Yeah, but that's the thing I keep thinking about. It's just all the there's so many games coming out. I'm gonna yeah. want. I think I'm gonna want to get at least like two games, like in you know boxed games, like you know Watch Dogs and Assassin's Creed Four or yeah. Watch Dogs and yeah, uh, like Watch Dogs and Killzone are the ones I'm planning on getting on launch day. I guess. Yeah. And I really want to play Assassin's Creed Four also. Yeah. But that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money, but yeah. you know we'll see. And then you know at least luckily Drive Club is free yeah. in part. So, and then there will probably be some other indie games, like I'm going to have to get Minecraft, day one. That's another 20 bucks. Luckily, I don't have to do that. So. Right, yeah. Because <laughs> you haven't been, like, insane. addicted. Like, I like fun games. I like, I like enjoying my life and actually, like, doing something instead of just, like, hitting, holding the red trigger and hitting blocks. Like, I like... I wonder what kind of graphical improvements we'll get on Minecraft on the PlayStation 4. What will yeah. the particle physics look like on that? Yeah, it's just like, oh, the lighting is fucking amazing on these torches. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Like, look how cubed it is! Everything is just... The edges are so sharp. It's all anti-aliased and shit. Alright, so... Runs at a billion frames per second. November 15th. That's when the PS4 is coming out. Do you think Microsoft's date will be earlier or later? Like, this is this has been, like, the big question everyone's, like, thinking about online. And it, it's, it's tricky because, you know, one of the... One of the really important things about picking your date is that, like, they are making, they are, like, manufacturing the physical consoles, like, like right up till it. Like, they are, they are, they want as much time to be able to make as many consoles as they can to meet the demand. Because both of these consoles are, 
almost like definitely the PS4 is going to sell out on day one. Like they've already said, they all have over a million pre-orders. This is like three months out, so that's they've, crazy. they've confirmed if you did not pre-order your PS4 before August for after August, if you pre-ordered it after August first, you're not getting a console day yeah. one, basically. Yeah. So it's like that's. So yeah, like they're both going to sell basically everything they have on the launch day. So you want to make as many consoles as possible to launch on that launch day. And so I don't know because with the Xbox One, their launch thing has been really weird, where they like they like reduced the number of countries they're launching in by like half. And it seems like like there are a lot of just rumors going around behind the scenes of like they just are not they like there's a lot of issues with manufacturing in terms of like just getting as many consoles as they need to get out and stuff like that. So that would like that information would lead me to believe that it would be like the week after because the the November fifteenth is two weeks before Thanksgiving. So it's like you you absolutely have to get it out before Black Friday, at least in America and Europe. Who gives shit? But but maybe if they want to sort of like strategically get in front of Sony, like literally, they would could leave launch the week before. Or if they want to be assholes, they could just launch on the same day. And then everyone just kills each other when they have to launch. Right. But, yeah, like, I I'm, I am would bet it's going to be the week after, is my guess. But I, I think so, too. I think... Know. And I just know, generally, when a, when a tech company says our thing is coming out in month X, they mean the end of month X. Mm. That's... Every time Apple, for instance, has ever said it's coming out in this month, it means the end of that month. Yeah. And any time it's... I've seen the same from Microsoft on their PC side and some other things. And generally, they do that because... They can give people a specific month and stick to it, but then give themselves as much time as possible to get in out in that month. Yeah. But who knows? They could also be adjusting their plans after seeing this, and they might try to get it out earlier. Maybe that's part of why they cut yeah. the order down to 13 countries. I mean, PS4 is launching in 32 countries yeah. by the end of the year. They're m- much bigger than the, yeah. P- than the Xbox One. So, yeah, and, like, and I've seen a lot of like people, like particularly I think IGN had a video where they were like, the Xbox One should launch on November 5th because that's the Tuesday that Call of Duty Ghost comes out. And it was like... Uh, but, but I thought it was just a dumb video in the first place and like other people have made that argument. It's, it's a dumb argument for the same reason saying Ben Affleck is going to be a bad Batman is a dumb thing to say. It's like, you have no access. You have no idea what is really going on like in terms of like how many units they have, how many units they need to get shipped out, how many pre-orders they have. You need to have that information to make any sort of guess about... When the fuck their launch day is going to be? So I have like you know nobody has any fucking clue because we have no clue what that in, like actual data is like. But I I really don't think it's going to come out like early early November. Like it's either going. I'm guessing it'll either be the week before or after PS4 launch. Yeah, I think so too. Um, so it's going to be interesting. They're going to be close together no matter what. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, so. it's going to be November. They have to be, and, and you know, you can't be the last week in November. So right. Because America is fucking crazy. It'd be great if they just released it on Black Friday, and then everybody dies. Just everyone in America just kills each other. We, I would stay home with my PS4 and like yeah. board up the windows. Exactly. But be scary. Yeah, it's exciting. We finally fucking know when we get to play this yeah, thing. When the PS4 is coming out, it's coming out mid-November. Like my Amazon pre-order has already been confirmed to be launch day. So. Yep. I'm happy on that. Mine too. Actually, it was kind of weird. Someone's, mine for some reason, right after the announcement came out and they changed things, was telling me I wouldn't get it till November 19th. 
Huh. And it kept saying that. I was like, why? And I looked online and a bunch of people were having that problem. And the, the way to fix it was to just change your shipping speed down to... I have Prime. I switched it yeah. down to five days instead of two. Then back to two days. And it was fixed. Huh. So I doubt it affected anything either way. That was yeah, just probably, a stupid... Yeah, it was probably yeah. just like a, a computer error. Right. So, yeah. Hopefully those come in nice and early on November 15th. Be a lot of fun. So and now I know I have until November 15th to finish all my current gen gaming. Yes. Yes, or at least which the current gen gaming I want to finish by November 15th. Yes. And I just wish Rockstar would put out GTA 5 on next gen consoles, damn it. Yeah, like uh, and if they're like if they're planning on doing it, I wish they would just say so. Like give give us a time scale cuz is I don't like I'm like there are a lot of people who are very convinced that they're going to release a version of GTA 5 on the next gen consoles like a year later or something. I'm not so sure. Like I've I don't know. I've I've, I've for some reason, that doesn't seem like something that Rockstar would do to me. But yeah, I mean, the only thing I could see is once they, if they develop a PC version, it would be weird not to put it out on the next gen consoles at the yeah. same time because the architecture is similar. But I don't know. Yeah, I mean that's another thing that they have not announced a, GTA, a PC version of GTA Five. So right, you know, like there was never a PC version of Red Dead Redemption. So who fucking knows? Yeah. Oh well, uh, but I'm still excited for GTA Five. Disappointed it's coming out on a Tuesday. My Tuesdays are well, just stupid. You know, busy. like consoles don't have to launch on Tuesdays, but video games do for whatever reason. I know Tuesdays just always been a weird day to me. It's just yeah. kind of middle of the week, and it's like I don't have that's not the that's not the time I have to do stuff. Yeah, no, I oh, agree. Well. There, there are reasons they come out on Tuesdays. I don't fucking remember why though. If if PSN's digital version of GTA Five you could preload, that would be great because I could start playing it at midnight and then play until morning and then go off and do stuff and just sleep through class. I think you, I think you can preload it because I'm pretty sure they because they leaked the soundtrack. But I thought that was only in Europe that you could preload it, and I thought they no, got maybe, rid of maybe the that's it. Like like I knew that the leak came out of Europe, but I wasn't sure if like the yeah. preload was only in Europe. I don't fucking know. I could that's Google it. Vamp. Yes. That's, Vamp. I mean, that's, Vamp. It's, yeah, it's it's not like that's the information that we do not have access to. But yeah, yeah. I mean, that, I thought that was interesting. I took a glance at the uh, soundtrack list, and it seemed fine to me. But like, yeah, apparently there are GTA Five spoilers out there, so uh, be careful. That's, yeah, that would be a really big bummer. Like I've. You know, luckily there's not a whole lot going on with video games until GTA V comes out, so it's like I can stay off of places that would end up probably spoiling that for me. But yeah, uh, that really sucks that that, that got. I mean, that that shit always happens though. Like, there's always right. It's such a big game. Out, like a couple of weeks before the big games launch. Yeah, um, what I'm seeing is you cannot preload it in the United States. That okay. that Rockstar specifically forbid that. All so. Right. Oh well, and that will be. I, I see. If I could preload it, I would totally buy it digitally. Since I can't, I wouldn't because that's day one. The servers, it's going to be such a slow download. Yeah, yeah. For the PS3, yeah. And uh, and I saw an interesting post where Rockstar on their blog said we really wanted to put it on Xbox Live digitally day and date also, but yeah, they, but Xbox doesn't do that for some reason. Like, yeah, I don't they have, won't let them. I mean, if they've yeah, they've definitely said that that's going to be on the Xbox One, but I have no idea why the 360 doesn't do that. It's just strange. It's just yeah, feels like you're. Cutting out good profit there. Yeah, it's a, it's it's a really weird thing, like to having like moving from the 360. Like I play on the 360, the PS3 kind of equally nowadays. But it was just like on the 360, it's a total shit show. What is and is not available digitally. Whereas the PS3, it's like the vast majority of games, the, at least like that have come out in the last couple of years, are all available digitally on their service. Yeah, it's like I. It seems really weird that there's not parity in that because you would just assume for a multi-platform day, game, if it's available digitally on the PlayStation 3. It should be on the 360. Like, and that was a nice peek behind the curtains because clearly Rockstar wanted it like that. Yeah, 
it's beneficial to Rockstar to have it out in as many ways as possible. Yeah. So, oh well, I'm still fucking psyched for that game. Yep. We never talked about that online multiplayer trailer that came out. Dude, look, yeah, it looks fucking cool. Really like, ambitious. Yeah. And I, I kind of like that it's coming out October 1st, like, after we've had a chance yeah, to play yeah, the game. It gives, yeah, it gives you a chance to probably, hopefully, finish the main storyline, depending on how much, how long the fucking is, but... Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's the good thing, is that my Tuesdays are heavy, my Wednesdays are fucking light. Huh. Get done at 3, go home, and I don't start till 11, so I could get up at, like, 6, play GTA 5, until, or I could just play GTA 5 through the night more accurately. Yeah, like, it's... Go to sleep at 6, get up at 10 and go to class. Yeah. Then come back and play more GTA 5. Sure. So... Who knows? I'm excited I'll for GTA Five. I'll probably just get it that day at like two or three and just sort of play it, and then I'll just play it the next day. I'm play it the next day after that. Yeah, I'll just play it when I have some free time to play it. Like I'm not, right. I don't know. <laughs> don't need to make like specific. I'm gonna get. I'm just gonna. Yeah, I'm gonna. Here are my plans. I gotta have plans. I'm Sean. gonna play it for four hours and take a two hour break. Then play it for six hours. And it's like fuck. No, I'm just gonna play it until I die. Like that's that's my plan. <laughs> Yep. Looks it's worth for me. So I've survived that plan so far. I play it till I die or I finish the game. Still here. So <laughs> some people in like South Korea who have had that plan, not still here because they play unfinishable games. Yeah, exactly. They play <laughs> fucking StarCraft. Like, and that rule is you play until you finish the fucking match. You don't play until yeah you you lose all the nutrition in your body and you fucking pass out and die. Like that's crazy. This is a sad. How note. do we get fucking talking about that? I don't know. But Anything else to talk about this week? There's one that because this is such a weird tangent that we got on, but with the South Korea StarCraft thing, it's just it's an idea that has always fascinated me. The idea of like you literally play a competitive video game until the point where you collapse and die yeah. while you're playing the game. Because I always wonder because you know they play them online at like internet cafes. If like the, they like release the information of what that dude's like username was or whatever on like Battle.net, like what if you're the dude who played against the dude on the game where he died in StarCraft? Like, he died with, like... What is that? Do you feel guilty? Like, do you feel culpable in some way for, like... Is it my fault? That, like... like I was playing against him. Like, if I had not been playing, would he have given a, taken a break? Like, that has always fascinated me. Like, someone needs to make a documentary and, like, find all that and just, like, figure out... What the fuck is that? I think that should just be the starting point to, like, a really, like dark like sad indie movie where like someone goes on this like discovers their mortality and they do go on this soul searching mission because they know they played a guy who died yeah and it's like and how bad do you feel because you won the game of Starcraft not because the dude had to go to the bathroom because he literally died while he was playing and that's why he's AFK like that's just like you know it's just gotta be such a weird because when I because sometimes I play Starcraft 2 online and it's like I think about that when like the dude stops playing just what if he died in, yeah it pops in the back of my head it's like what if what if I mean this dude's not that great at Starcraft I'd assume if you play Starcraft until you were dead like you'd be a really good Starcraft player but this dude might be dead or maybe he's getting a sandwich I don't know <laughs> Either I way, mean, I'm going to destroy his fucking SUV, or SUVs, so... And see, this would have to be seen in this hypothetical movie where the guy goes back to try playing StarCraft 2 again, and someone <laughs> drops out, and he just gets PTSD flashbacks. Yeah. 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 So... Anyways, our podcast took a weird tangent there, but... Yeah. So what else is going on in the world? Anything else, Sean? I don't think so. Like, you know, there have like, been some video games came out that I'm, I'm probably not going to really play anything since until GTA Five comes out. Like, I'm playing Deus Ex Human Revolution because it came out on PS Plus a while ago, and that seems kind of okay. fun, but I'm not deep enough into it to 
say yeah. anything really about it. I'm playing Mass Effect. I'm going to finish that trilogy, and then I've got a whole list of titles to get through. And you know, I I saw it of Gamescom a lot more about Beyond Two Souls this week. Yeah, and I, that was a game where I was wondering whether or not I'd pick it up day one. I'm picking up that yeah, day probably, one. I'll probably that'll probably be the game I play after GTA Five. That looks fucking amazing. Yeah, that game looks fascinating. So that'll be cool. Um, let's see. Before we leave, this was this was our first day back at college. Any crazy stories? Uh, dudes, just giant fucking signs saying "Accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior," just accosting everybody who comes past them. Like that's that was that my crazy story. Yep, and it's Nothing. just I forgot. I always I always underestimate just how crazy the campus is going to be day one with all the fucking yeah. protesters and Bible thumpers and Xfinity people and, and freshmen who look like children to me now. Yes. Like there's like there, in one of my literature classes, there were some freshmen. It was just like. You're like babies. What are you doing here? You're not old enough to be in this class. Yep, and I had I have one kind of funny story. Okay. So you know how when you're walking through, especially our, our big sort of courtyard area called the UMC, which is this big yeah. building where you, there's the bookstore and shit. And, and shit. The bookstore is shit. Fuck <laughs> that place. I, I had to go to that bookstore today, and I was like sitting in the cafeteria area drinking a Sprite and just trying to work up the courage to go in there. Yeah. Because it's like... You're going into the belly of the beast, man. Yeah. And and I get in there, and I always I am a I consider myself a good person on the whole. I don't ever want to steal things, but when I'm at the CU bookstore, I want to shoplift. I just want to steal everything because I don't want to be there any longer than I have to. And I, I never do. I never I mean, do, but I want to. You know, so Jonathan, badly. I think the way you play video games proves that you're not a good person. <laughs> like deep down, that the only reason you don't steal shit is just because of the societal pressure. It's not because you think it's a bad thing to do. It's because you know that people would punish you if you did it and got caught. It would. Like, that's really obvious. To I me. want to make this clear. It would not be a bad thing to do stealing from the CU bookstore because that place is evil. <laughs> that place is evil. That may be a bit of an exaggeration. That'd be like stealing from Satan himself. Just kidding, just kidding. You think Satan, just because he's kind of an asshole, doesn't get property rights? Like, (laughs) just because he's red and has goat feet, he's not allowed to own property? You fucking racist? Sorry. All right, let me tell you my story, though. Okay. So, you know, everywhere on campus is just crazy people accosting you everywhere, handing you coupons and Bibles and coupons and planners. Yes, yes, I have a lot of coupons and and shit. Planners and and like little handouts and shit. And I'm always looking for the nearest trash receptacle so I can recycle this shit. And... So finally, I'm like, I, I finished my class, and I'm like walking back. I'm going to go to the library so I can get some peace and quiet while I'm waiting for you know the next thing to happen. Yeah. And I get in the library and I settle down and I'm reading a book and I'm like, this is like the first quiet moment I've had all day. This is so nice. And I'm reading there and someone taps me on the shoulder. I'm like, what's this? And someone taps me on the shoulder and I look around and she's this girl's walking around. She's like, would you like a free newspaper? I'm like, it's the library. This is the one place on campus yeah. I should be assured peace and tranquility. And like the funniest thing was she leans in, she's like, "Would you like a free newspaper?" She was whispering, and then she, I said, "No, thanks." And she went around to the next person, and the same thing, like, "Would you like a free?" It's like, "Fuck off, yeah. fuck off, get out of here." This is the library. But that's you know. But I feel like if it was me and I was sitting down in the library, someone tapping on the shoulder, and they wouldn't say something innocuous like, oh, "Would you like a free newspaper?" They'd be like, "Did you know that the Harbinger of Doom is coming and World War Three is upon us?" Because I attract crazy motherfuckers every time I go on campus. You do, Sean. So. Yeah, Sean has gotten in many, many debates <laughs> with, with random the... fucking people who think that the onset of World War Three is is upon us and Armageddon is near. Yeah. Yeah, so you should be you count your blessings that you just have someone asking if you want a fucking newspaper, like whatever. Just be like, no, I don't need a newspaper. Like that's not a big deal. No, no, no. It wasn't. Some, some someone asking you if you realize that the world is about to end—that's kind of really annoying. Yeah, 
It's annoying when it happens over and yeah. over and over. Because, you know, it's hard if I'm just, like, reading the fucking, like, Frankenstein or something, and just, like, kind of into it, and someone asks me if I realize the world's about to end. Like, now I can't just go back to reading Frankenstein, because now I'm thinking about how crazy that fucking person is, and how wrong they are in, like, a multitude of different ways. I can't, like, resume what I was doing, because now I'm completely preoccupied with deconstructing their bullshit. Yes. Alright, so... I think we're. I think, I think this, we're, podcast, this is podcast is done. Yes, in the bag. It's, we've gone too many tangents, too much stuff. Yeah, we'll talk about more stuff next week. Uh, God, what the fuck is happening now? I don't even know. Is I have there, plans for next week. I'll okay, tell you. Okay, good. And you'll learn. You'll learn about them next time. Hopefully. <laughs>